This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this here Next Lander podcast. I'm so excited to be here for many, many reasons. One... It has been almost, almost 24 hours without Brad Shoemaker in my ah, life. Almost. Shoe- almost 24 hours without what Brad happened? He was counting the minutes I to did, make sure. I what did. Happened? I, I messaged you yesterday for a little yes, bit. That's right. So I got a little a little nibble. I got the Brad. one Slack ping, and I went and answered it, and then I managed to not open Slack again all day. It was miraculous. Is, yes. Uh, good for you. Despite several urges to the contrary, I held off. How you feeling? You I'm did the right a, thing. I'm okay. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah? Not a lot of not a lot of time off in a while. Yeah. So taking yes. a day, especially now when it's like, oh, do I file for PTO when I come back? <laughs> do I need to worry about like X, Y, and oh no, I don't. There are no X, yeah, Y, and you Z. Could, uh, if you could just talk to HR real quick, because we want to make sure, you know, you're on the books for this time off. You know, we wanna we don't want any anything sliding under here. Do you know what their email alias is? I'm not sure how to get in touch. I mean, I know like the, the head of HR left like a month ago, I think, and I'm not sure who our person is now. Uh, this is HR. Um, hi, what'd you need? This is oh. HR Vinny. 
It's uh, um, H&R Vinny is here. Having a hard time opening the PTO tool in any of the web browsers on my company laptop? Write it on a napkin. That's, put it mm-hmm. in a safe place. Okay. Oh, no, you need a specific version of Java from 2007 mm. to run it. Have you okay. tried Trex? Yeah. Alex Navarro, how are you? Hi. I'm good. I uh, I was not on PTO. I'm I'm here. I'm I've been hanging out all week. But Brad, is it? congratulations on your time off and happy is birthday, P- bro. Is it PTO? Is it just like I don't think. No, it's, it's definitely. I think it's just TO no, at this point. <laughs> there are no, there are no lines of demarcation between work and not work at this point. It's it's personal time. Off. Okay, there you okay. go. Sure. There okay. Go. Wow. Yeah. Nice pivot. That was boy. You have a budding HR career ahead of you. Yeah. Don't say things like that to me. I just said happy birthday. Don't insult me like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are, 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 they, are, they, are they resources for humans? Or are they human resources? No, the humans are the resources. Are, are, are they, and they are directed to manage those resources. Are you, are, you saying, are you saying they are not resources for humans? They are resources that are humans? I'm saying that the only HR person I've met who was an actual human was the the lady at Harmonix. Mm. I've never met another HR person that I thought did not read vaguely robotic. Okay. Oh, I've had a couple. That's, yeah, yeah, there were some, some yeah. of the individual HR people at CBS were pretty nice. Yeah. I, yeah. Say. I never really had much opportunity to interact with them, so I will just say the interactions I did have were not always the best. But I mean, you know, the common wisdom about HR is absolutely true. Yeah, they are, they're there to protect the company. Yes, they are there to keep the company from getting sued. <laughs> <And> <laughs> maybe if they help you out along the way, then great, like everybody wins. I yeah. got I got some fantastic help and navigation from some of the HR. Yes, people I, I did we, too. Yes, again, there were some individual people in the field that have helped me out quite a bit. Now, those people's acquaintances, when they would complain about their bosses or coworkers, or whatever, I can't say anything about that. But the people who represented us as a group generally were within the bounds of the structure. Were ge- yes. generally pretty good. It's more of an institutional problem, you might say. Yeah. Yes. When you is the nature of the profession. I feel like sometimes when you have to, the bigger the company, uh, the the sense I got, um, maybe sometimes implicitly and explicitly was managing people via drop down menus in a spreadsheet to solve problems is not the best way. Like, th- does your thing fit into this drop down? Oh boy, it doesn't. <laughs> then, mm-hmm. then we're gonna don't know what to do. Don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, we are here. The three of us in this here Next Lander podcast, uh, uh, and uh, what you see is what you get here. This is uh, that's right. This is not a video podcast, Vinny. They don't see anything. Which, what you hear is what you get. The, this what the you- three of us solving problems. Well, maybe I got the thump upstairs. That's a one extra bonus. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Somebody is banging on the floor up there. Is there I did hear the thump. Is okay. there no standing? Standing? Is there not like an understanding? Uh, Dad's recording. Keep it down up there. Oh yeah! Do not thump during work hours. There is absolutely. Do you need a hot wow. light up there? Uh, understanding is probably not the right word. There is there is a, uh, a standing rule, yes. but also mm-hmm. uh, is there when you're dealing with a nine year old and a six year old? You know, understanding is a really broad term there. Uh, yeah. You know, listen, shoes have to come off, or you just flick. You're doing a thing where you just flick your feet, <laughs> and your shoes fly off, and they land on the floor. You know. Oops. That's a no, fun thing. You said no shoes in the house, and technically they are obeying the letter of the law. That's right. But the spirit is very lacking. They are in. Tr- I do in think transit. that going to the trouble, going to the trouble of creating like an on-air light or something for the, your 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 basement door would actually just be that would not be great. 
for their psyche. Like just having a big glowing red light that says, this is bad time. Do yeah. not make noise. Like that's the kind of thing you start talking about in therapy in your thirties. Like uh, that's not a good thing. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have that light. And then next to it's going to be a counter. And next to that's going to be a dad's number of minutes. He's subtracting from screen time because you've made too much noise counter. And I'm just going to be, have a little button that I can add minutes to. That's like one, two, three. Talk about bad for your psyche. We lost yeah, seven, seven and a half minutes of screen time because you flicked your shoes across the floor. Um, Brad, I missed you uh, uh, mostly because uh, I miss having you in general, but then um, got to experience a bit of where you've lived in terms of um, the getting the markers into the Ramblecast and the ooh. other podcasts and stuff. And I've seen you out there saying, working with people being like, it's a Wild West out there. It's not very standardized. Um, we're trying to get through this stuff. And then as I went to go put these markers into this podcast, well, the markers are in when I put the podcast out in a W mm. in a wave, the markers are sitting there and they're just hanging out. Audition is happy to add chapters to a wave file. Audition loves it. So fantastic. You kick it out. Usually I kick you out a, a wave file and then you put it in and you turn it into an MP3 and you encode mm. it. And then, you know, we take the markers and they're they're in the metadata and then they go to town. Audition apparently doesn't want to include that information in the MP3. Basically, it doesn't want to convert those markers into ID3 tags. And neither does anybody else. That's our Adobe. Uh, and, oh, boy. And neither do, do a lot of other things. So this, I wound up- for the, um, the monthly Creative Cloud fee really paying dividends over here. <laughs> well, it's not just Adobe because it seems like the podcast yes, apps themselves dude, also- dude, the fucking, the podcast ecosystem, don't get me started. This has been- uh, No, you're started. <laughs> this has been significantly more of my life than I planned on over the last couple of months, but man- It's worth between, it. Between encoders and tagging systems and podcast hosts and distribution platforms, nobody gives a fuck what anybody else is doing. <laughs> Everybody is doing it their own way. Nothing is compatible. Nothing is standardized. Like your chapters might work in one app and not in three others. They might work yeah. in the same app one week and not the next. Yeah. There are, there are um, characters that need to be escaped and formatting that needs to be followed that is not well documented and also differs between different apps, which is... I mean, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Depending on which CMS and, and hosting service you're using, they might serialize or distribute the data differently. Like XML special characters might break your feed or they might not. You might be able to embed custom artwork for each episode, or you might not. <laughs> uh, and that custom artwork m might, depending on what metadata is in there, might break a feed. So uh, the, remember that one for a little bit? That was uh, fun. I do. Uh, and, then, uh, uh, and then between your version of FFmpeg and my version, which was like a, a one version, like a point one version, uh, there was difference in how to translate those tags into um, ID3 tag. Anyway. Yep. It's good old, good old map underscore metadata. Oh, not good old. Well, maybe now good old as mm. of uh, version 4.3, not right. in version 4.2 of right. MPEG. So you, you, you see what's actually happening here. I shouldn't see, I shouldn't fill you in on my strategy, but I'm just becoming that guy who makes himself indispensable because he's the only one who knows how that arcane thing works. Well, it's, it's now you can never get rid of me. Well, that's very <laughs> important. And that's very true for a lot of reasons, but, um, the part where you are just a 0.1 version ahead on FFmpeg, I would not say is that big a job security, but it's also just more annoying. Like the, yes. the part where it's right. like, wait, what the heck, man? I also map underscore metadata as the first thing I tried. Uh, and that was a pain in the butt. A pain in the booty. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's my that's my that's my bit of grief. Podcasts okay. can't live with them. You can't uh, listen. I think take the my podcast, stuff, please. The <laughs> chapter stuff is fun, and it's I think it's great. Um, yeah, I, I'm works. shocked that people don't use it. Well, I mean, I'm shocked that it's not like more mature, so that more people can use it. Is what I mean to say. Hmm. I am not shocked that more people don't use it because look how complicated it is. Right. Like, there are not that many podcasts out there doing chapters, and this is exactly why because it sucks to implement. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a booty pain for it's sure. Um. Your yeah, podcasts I, are big these days. You'd think somebody would come along and maybe unify. Just a of, standard. All of just, the warring podcast kingdoms under a single banner. Next, but I mean, so much of that banner. stuff and the, the development of that stuff is so rooted in like open source development and everyone just kind of doing their own thing. I, I guess I'm not surprised not, that it's like this. You're not wrong that it is grassroots open source stuff on one end, but it's actually much more like corporations, corporate crap on, on the other end. Of like, yeah. is it very much about them like just trying like, to create their own standard that it's like you know this design of this app is ours and you yeah, can't do stuff like it because they have the of, patent on it? Not not like that. Not not walled okay. garden type stuff. But I mean, speaking of somebody who uses two different podcast CMSs every week, typepod.content.town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. um, like the number of features in those CMSs that are labeled like Apple only or like hey, this is only relevant on iTunes or like this will not work on any other service except Apple Podcasts. This is how Apple wants you to format their titles. Like, yeah. granted, Apple is a huge-ass podcast platform, but man, they, more than anybody, don't give a shit about anybody else but their own thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to Shop Talk. Hello. Shop yeah. Talk. Wound up, wound up having to like bounce that thing out, take it onto this app called Forecast, which is like this free beta app, um, which is Mac only, and I had to dig out... Um, uh, the Mac, the Mac I have floating around here, get it out there, kick out the oh boy. And, uh, that was fun. All right. The, so uh, I can never leave again is what you're saying. Well, no, now that I've updated FFmpeg, go oh, take, okay. you, you're good. You're good. All right. You're yeah. Good to go. we'll you no days off shoemaker. That's you. That's That's you. We'll see you in two months. No, shared information. I want to open source. I want a GNU, <laughs> I want GNU shoemaker. It's all Dude, out I there. I wrote, I wrote a Google Doc called Metadata Bible before I left yes. on Monday. And unfortunately, the thing you wrote said, make sure your app <laughs> converts uh, chapters that's, to ID3 tags. That's, and uh, mine, mine did not. Yeah. Mine did not. Uh, version numbers. We need patch notes. Uh, how was your, uh, how'd you spend your day? You want to talk uh, about it or just kind of nah, away from unevent- work? Very uneventful. Okay, good. Very, very uneventful. Look, an uneventful day off is still a good day off. Yeah. Yes. We wound up, uh, catching up with, on the Ramble cast with Drew Scanlon, which was oh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Digital Eclipses, Drew Scanlon. It's true. He does. He talks a little bit about that, uh, Space Jam, uh, and, uh, you won't believe what you could do with a basketball hmm. in Space Jam. Uh, should we get into some of the news from this week? Because stuff hit. Yeah. Stuff did hit. In fact, some of this stuff hit right after we recorded our episode last week. Yeah. Let's say this. Let's do the thing. Hey, if you're listening to this, we're going to do the, uh, we're going to hit the news now. We've, we're going to catch up on the, uh, on the Steam Deck and the Netflix games announcement stuff. Uh, Tom, Tom Clancy, Ubisoft's Tom Clancy's new next game. Uh, uh, the <laughs> Ubisoft Skull and Bones drama. And some uh, uh, Neil Blomkamp camp is a camp or comp? Is it how? How Couldn't is it tell pronounced? You. Okay, I say Blomkamp, but I could be wrong. Ne- Neely B's next thing, uh, and then game wise, we're gonna get into when we get into the game stuff. After that, 
some Death's Door Skyward Sword, and you can hear uh, how much I love Final Fantasy Remake now that I've finished it. But before we get into all of that stuff, that Steam Deck. Steam Deck. Steam. Not the first time Valve has kind of said we've got something in the hardware space here, but oh. uh, the, the Val- latest time. Val- Valve's long and rich and storied history of releasing hardware and then supporting it forever. Oh, wait. <laughs> Uh, so, so Valve and, uh, has, has put out something called a steam or is going to put out something has announced something called a steam deck for December of this year. And essentially is a portable handheld, uh, but a PC PC. A, a, it's a PC yeah. ass PC, man. That thing is like, you know, not exactly going to blow the doors off of game performance by like modern console standards, but it's a PC. It's a like, PC. You, you can hook it up to mouse and keyboard and a monitor and install it runs Linux, but you can install Windows on it. You can do whatever you want. It's a PC. Yeah, so it's it's got a separate dock, not unlike uh, people familiar with a Switch dock that is uh, not sold with it, but that you can pop this thing, I guess, into if you wanted to. Yeah, to, so that uh, thing, uh, they're calling, I mean, that's the official dock. That's the one yeah. they will be making and distributing, but it actually can use like any USB-C dock that has video out. Can I plug it into my Switch dock? Uh, well, it's maybe not any. <laughs> okay. There might be some proprietary nonsense in there that maybe prevents that. Also, looking at the size of that thing, I, <laughs> you might have to do some surgery on your Switch dock to make that thing fit in that slot. Got a, Yeah, it's a beefcake. Got a Dremel uh, and a Switch dock. Let's, actually, let's, uh, to be, you know, having taken a, a Switch dock entirely apart, I can tell you, you could cut that front panel off and not suffer a lot of loss of functionality. So um, let's talk about what this thing actually is, uh, aside from just a, a PC that is portable. So it's... Uh, a couple of different versions of it. We got the uh, $400, $399 version for the 64 gigabytes. And this is storage version, which mm-hmm. yes, 64 gigs for a PC thing. I guess if you're playing a lot of very small games, very indie games is could get you. And you're not planning on storing yeah. a lot on there permanently. Yeah. yeah. Also, you know, all these models come with an SD card slot, micro right. SD. So you can expand the storage, but right. um that's not the fastest way to transfer or to load games. And also the memory in that 64 gig model is not particularly fast either. Which is uh, kind of where these premium models, you might say, come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they all, they all have different versions. That's, uh, Brad, you'll have to correct me on this. If it just please do while I get this wrong. So that's EMMC for that 64 gigabyte versions memory, installed memory. And I believe the other two here are going to have NVMe SSDs. Yes, yes, much faster, much faster flash memory in these 529 and the 649 models. Yeah, so 529 will get you 256 gigs of that NVMe as, uh, as NVMe storage, and then 649. I just want to say 650 for the 512 gigabyte version. Um, and so those two la- latter versions, you know. That NVMe storage is is pretty good on the... uh, That's going to be a lot faster, for sure. I also, I can't help laughing at the bullet point list on the $650 model. Premium anti-glare etched glass. (laughs) Exclusive carrying case. Exclusive Steam community profile bundle. Exclusive virtual keyboard theme. (laughs) Great. Exclusive virtual keyboard theme that I'm sure somebody is going to rip out of that version and offer for the other... The other models Unquestionably. instantly considering this thing just runs a, a version of Linux. So what does that even mean? So, so looking at the picture, I'll, I'll try and describe this as best I can just visually. It, 
kind of has the form factor. It, it reminds me out of the gate of the Wii U tablet, right? It's yeah, got this sure. kind of big old screen, two analog sticks on either sides of the screen, a D-pad to the it's, – it's a kind of funky thing. You should look up a picture of it because the analog sticks are right near the top of the, uh, of, of the bezel uh, for, the, for the device with, again, the screen in the middle, obviously, and then the D-pad to the upper left of the left analog stick – and the kind of X, Y, B, and A buttons to the upper right of the analog stick on the right-hand side. Then it's got two trackpads, looks like, right? That's uh, Yes. And then uh, yeah. uh, two buttons, one, it's hard to read from the picture uh, I've got here. One with this three dots on it, which I assume is going to be anything. And then is the other one a power button? Probably. Yeah, it's like a menu button, and a, or it could be a share button or something. It's hard to say. Function buttons, uh, let's say. Yeah, right. f- function buttons. And then, uh, actually, I'm looking for a, a, a good image of the back of it. Does it have stuff on the back? On the, main, on the main page, they've got kind of a rotating, like, embedded video that you can sort of see the back. It's got, okay, it's got four shoulder buttons. Around. It's got, it kind of got your bumper and trigger shoulder button pairs. Right. And then it's got two pairs of sort of paddle buttons where your kind of, like, middle and ring fingers sit. Uh, sort of like what the like the elite yes, controller yes, has. Yes, like those those paddles you can optionally put on the elite controller. I'm sure those are probably programmable. Um yeah, it looks like a fat switch or a kind of a big slightly overstuffed <laughs> Wii, Wii, Wii U tablet, I guess. Um I mean it doesn't have that play school quality that the Wii U tablet had. I think it looks okay. Like I definitely saw a lot of people raising their eyebrows at the placement of the face buttons and D pad. They're yeah. on the extreme edges of this thing. It is peculiar. To the point that the, the furthest right button, the B button, also I continue to be amazed that the Xbox face button configuration won out that the B button is on the right and not the A button. But anyway, uh-huh. um, it's, like, it's like on the curve of the side of the console. Like you can see the, like the edge of the casing sloping down where that button sits. Like they are like, those controls are right on the edge and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. People, also, people claim that they have heard third hand from people who've touched it. They claim that it is more comfortable than you think, but the control okay. layout is is kind of it's a big old rectangle. Yeah, it's I like mean, that's eye catching in maybe a questionable way. I mean, that's what we all said about the Steam controller. And look, the Steam controller was not the best thing in the world, but like it, the layout of that thing felt very weird okay. at the outset. Yeah. But when you actually hold it in your hands, it's not that bad. Yeah. No, I yes. still use it because of the trackpad stuff whenever I need, you know, that particular thing when I use a Steam Link. I had, uh, I, I bought one on a, on their last fire sale for that thing. I think it was like a dollar plus $11 shipping or something. Yeah, yeah I got that's when I got mine too. It's still in the box and I'm just like staring at that thing wondering like, what is my break glass in case of emergency moment <laughs> with this thing? Like, what is actually going to make me unbox that Steam controller? I don't know. I like it. But again, it's for when I'm, I'm not sitting in front of a, a, a computer. So the uh, uh, we should probably go over a little bit more of the details here. The screen, which is you know an important part of this thing since it is a portable device, seven inches, twelve eighty by eight hundred, uh, gets you your seven twenty p gameplay. Do you, Brad? Do you yeah, know any they, details on they, the like twelve eighty by eight hundred is a sixteen by ten resolution, which is kind of weird because most games are designed for sixteen by nine these days, but well, it's coming from a PC are. space, which is where sixteen by ten was, you know. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's pretty more or less gone. Like it's, yeah, it's, that's, it's pretty hard to find monitors in that aspect these days. But otherwise, it's basically the same resolution as a Switch. Uh, except for that extra, a little bit of extra height. Um, um, do, is this screen, uh, is there anything fancy about it? Do we know? Like any 
sweet screen tech in there. I think it's I think it's just your pretty standard LCD, is my understanding. I don't okay. think there's anything super fancy. It's definitely not an OLED or anything like that. Yeah, they're waiting until Steam Deck OLED model to yes, come along. Of you know, in a couple of years, of course. Um, it's, it's got the uh, it's got a gyroscope in it. If you if you're looking for any of that motion stuff, or yeah. I, I, listen, I'm not sure yeah. how you'll be able to customize this thing. Come the games. Uh, once they get in there, I assume it'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to this in a second, but some, uh, big picture interoperability is going to be coming here in there mapping this thing. So if anybody's used the steam controller, the mapping stuff in big picture is actually very, very good. Um, right. In, in big picture mode on steam. Uh, and you well, you get, know that they're changing the, the big picture stuff to be in line with this. Yes. So yeah. We'll, yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get actually, to that in a second. Yeah, we'll but, get there. Yeah. They're actually dropping uh, yeah. it. But, uh, but. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. So like this, I assume yeah. will have some of that same functionality in terms of like, Hey, how do you want to remap this stuff? Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of profile stuff. There's a lot of community profile stuff that floats up in that space that I use all the time because I don't want to sit and remap everything. Um, the big thing for me, I think we've gone over most of the tech stuff. The big thing for me, aside from, do I need a portable PC thing with a screen on it right now, which is no, the answer from Vinny right now is no is um, if you're going to take this on a portable trip where you don't have it plugged in, what are we doing for battery life here? Like, what are our yeah. expectations for really having what is essentially a portable PC on batteries? Um, because laptop batteries, if anybody's used a gaming laptop, go pretty quickly. As They're you're, not the best. No. Uh, and this seems like not... I don't know. It seems all over the place. They're I quoting, you're getting a few hours. They're quoting two to eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> So that's a pretty big spread, and you can guess that if it's, uh, you know, pretty modern AAA demanding game, probably a lot closer to the two than yeah. the eight. Um, yeah. I mean, the big thing to talk about here is the specs, you know? Like, the big thing is, like, how well does this run games? Um, like How well will it run games? What do you think, Brad? How like, well jury's kind of out because nobody's got one to test yet, right. but, like, it's got, it's got a pretty modern AMD chip in it. It actually uses so it uses the same architecture as the new consoles. The CPU and the GPU in this thing are mm. from the same family as what is in the PS5 and the Series X. Uh, but obviously, it's a very cut down version of that, right? Right. So, what people are ballparking, <laughs> looking at like other AMD chips out there in other handhelds, and and like kind of clocking like I've seen people like clocking down AMD video cards to try to get them in line with what this thing will do. Like, there's all kinds of tests out there. Like people are pegging this thing somewhere around a launch PlayStation Four. Okay, is, is kind of the seems to be the the suspicion. This stuff's always very hard to nail down. Like, yeah, you can't just like compare numbers. It's not apples and apples, but that's kind of what people are guessing we're going to get out of this thing. This so, is it is a little bit of a bummer though, because I mean, again, the thing everyone harps on with those launch consoles was that they were severely underpowered for what everyone thought they were going to well, be for, at that generation start. On T on 1080p televisions, yes, you know, on a, yeah. on a 1280 by 800 portable screen, they'll do a little bit better. But uh, I'm just thinking, like, if you ever want to plug this thing in, it just seems like you're not really going to get a whole lot out of it. No, but, like you're not going to hook this thing up to a monitor, and it's not going to be a replacement <laughs> for a decent gaming PC. Like, definitely, yeah. Um, so. So, Brian, maybe you can you can help me out here, go along this journey. So, two things that are in my mind. One is the closed system of this means they can tune the interoperability between these components to maybe maximize a little out, right? Like, to not no. I mean, this is pretty much just using kind of off the shelf ports. So it's, it's okay. running Linux and 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 it's running a a kind of compatibility layer called Proton that is supposed to make Windows games run uh, much better on Linux. Do you remember Wine? Yeah. 
Yes, Proton is a fork of Wine, so that's how okay. they're getting Windows games to work in Linux here. But like, hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I guess you there might you might see some developers doing like hand optimization for. Well, I don't even mean developers. I just meant the hardware wise. Like, are the pieces of this thing more than the sum of their parts because they are in a because the the manufacturing or, or putting it the engineers who put it together are like, oh, this chip works really well with this and this amount of memory is going to be spec'd for this. Whereas you don't, you know, in a custom PC build, those parts all have to work with a million other things. And this, they're in one, you shouldn't be swapping, users are probably not going to be swapping parts out, I assume, unless you're getting in there and really breaking some warranties. No, although ironically, there is some suggestion that that NVMe slot might just be exposed on all these models. Oh, wild, so really? Like, huh. no, nobody's going to know until they get their hands on it, but there was definitely yeah. some suggestion going around of like, yeah. maybe you could just put an NVMe drive in the cheap one. I don't know. Um, um, so, right, because so that, yeah, that would be wild. Um, the, the console side of it is when they build a console with some cu custom architecture, it usually is more than the specs, right? Because the developers are coding specifically for that closed right. system yes but yeah that's where it comes in on the software side is that yeah. they're hand optimizing to work on that one fixed target and this is a little mm -hmm. more general i mean there are other amd based handhelds out there they're mostly pretty no name unless you kind of are in the know about this stuff so like so some people have been fiddling with similar devices this is obviously the nicest one so far but we don't uh, but do we know or have they said anything about games that'll be quote unquote optimized for Steam Deck or, no, or no, nothing, okay. definitely so this I'm sure like anything from the Steam library will be, you know, like the Valve library, but mm. yeah, definitely nothing like that. I it's, it's it's I kind of find it interesting that they keep pushing control as sort of the default game that is showing on all of the marketing images and footage for this thing, because like huh. control is sort of a notoriously demanding game that ran <laughs> yes. really poorly oh, yeah. on the consoles. Um, so we'll see how it goes on here. Like I played that game on a launch PS4. Let me yeah, tell you, yeah. that is not the way to play that game. That was an unpleasant experience. Um, um I guess some other basic stats here. I'll, I'll go through the, these are still things that Vinny understands from computers. So hopefully mm -hmm. doesn't, uh, you know, 16 gigs of Ram in there. Um, it's a lot for handheld for sure. Yeah. That, that is a decent amount here. I don't, uh, I'm, that's about it. Because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> now, now, like, how many cores the CPU has lost meaning for me? Like, I, I don't know if that still matters. Um, oh yeah, it definitely matters. Okay. I think I think it's as a quad core in this thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, four core, eight thread. Uh, uh like I, for me, I don't know. Uh, eight compute cores on the GPU, or eight compute units on the GPU. Is that is that a thing that people will understand in AMD land? Yes, those things okay. have different meanings between. It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. It's um, a rabbit hole. Yeah, that's what I mean. About can we talk about how this thing is called the damn Steam Deck? So, they actually called it that. So, the, like, right up until it got announced, so I don't know if you saw, like, Data Mining had revealed the name Steam Pal that had been floating <laughs> around quite a bit. Uh-huh. Steam Buddy. Your Steam Friend. A Steam Friend. Friendo. Steam Chum. <laughs> buddy Guy. I don't know how they ended up not going with Steam Pal, clearly. Uh, well, not only did they not go with Steam Pal, they literally went with one of the two joke names you could have given this thing. Like, Steam Deck is just obvious wordplay, which I get, but also is up against a fairly popular product in the gaming market, the Stream Deck. Dude, it's not like that. It does not even stop there. Did you see that? I, f <laughs> I actually felt bad for Elgato. They announced a new model of Stream Deck like two hours after this thing got revealed. I saw that, oh, yes, wow. which is brutal. I did, I did not. Uh, it's like, why are you branding. throwing this fuck you at Elgato of all companies? Like, why? Hey, remember when we talked earlier in the show about corporations not giving a shit what other people yeah. are doing? 
I don't uh, know. Also, also, Gabe Gear is a much better name. They <laughs> yeah, should have gone yes. with that if they were going to do the yes. joke name. It, it does. It does kind of have the look of a Game Gear or a Nomad. You're yeah. not wrong. Uh, uh, the other thing that is uh, kind of stood out to me, aside from that uh, name, which I didn't even think of the stream deck until you said it now, and now I cannot not think of it. Now you're just going to be angry about yeah, it every now, time. Now, now I'm a little rat, and I'm a little uh, on tilt about it. No HDMI port. It's got a display port on it, and like we said before, that USB-C port, but no HDMI port to just drop into uh, a you know your living room TV, which you know may or may not have a display port, but you know mine mine doesn't. I yeah, I, I mean, you'd probably be able to adapt that out of the USB-C port, but that is its own nightmare. That sucks. Yes, it, it's, yeah. not, it's not great, but, you know. Yeah, and, like, that's... that's, the, that's the, the future of ports is convergence, sadly. So Yeah, I, speaking I, of someone who just bought a cheap television for in here and was mystified that there was not a headphone jack on yeah. it anywhere, <laughs> I'm hope, just like, I hate this fucking future. I, I, hope, I hope everybody likes adapters and splitters. Ugh. Well, here's the other thing that probably they're hoping for is that your TV is just going to have some version of Steam on it. And then you're going to be uh, either s- streaming your games from your uh, PC or playing them over some cloud instance at some point in the future. That's actually a question I had not pondered before. Is there a Steam app for smart televisions yet? Yeah, Steam Link became an app. Like it was a box. Okay. It launched as a box, but now it's. Yeah, I remember like- that. Can download like a Raspberry Pi image with it mm-hmm. set up on there. There's all kinds of ways to use Steam Link at this point, but like I don't. So I don't, if I go to like the Web OS store, is there just like a that, download Steam? That thing? I don't know. I mean, I don't have a TV okay. that would have access to that stuff, but uh, okay. I don't know that Valve has been aggressively pursuing that stuff to get into. I mean, those I can get why they spaces. wouldn't, but but it's just you know, it seems like one of those things that feels like a no brainer. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen it. I looked a while ago, but I haven't seen it in the LG store for, for okay. my TV. Yeah, I, I don't think that stuff's out there. But, you know, I mean, this thing is kind of serving a pretty different market of people who want to take this thing on an airplane or like a train or bus. Yeah. Play games locally, not have to stream stuff. Like that was kind of the right. big, big revelation that came out of this thing is like you saw when it first got announced, a bunch of people just assuming it was a streaming only device, right? Right. Like the idea of this having some horsepower in it, even if it's not that much. Uh, was kind of surprising to some people, but you it is you really need to want to play PC games in a handheld format for this thing to be worth it. Like you really want have to have to want that because otherwise, yes. like you know, the specs are good for a handheld, but they're not like good in an absolute sense, right? I mean, it's better than flipping probably flipping over your game, flipping open your gaming laptop on a bus, right? It's going to be more convenient oh, for sure. than that yeah, for and sure. Like, it's and I better to run a lot on. of those games that are on Switch, also. Oh, t- way, way better. better. Absolutely. Like, like most of your kind of mid tier indie games in terms of like hardware demands are going to run just fine on this thing for a very long time. Like I'm thinking about like Civ six, which is a game that is very much built around trying not to be as much of a resource hog as some of the other ones. But then it just eventually kind of became one And the console versions of that game are fine. And the control, but the control adaptions they have to make are not great. Yeah. And, you know, the switch version is definitely not the one I would recommend to people. It turns out a lot of people like playing video games handheld. Like yeah, it's not yeah. It's not really my thing, but it is super compelling to a lot of people because, like, you I saw. think the difference. I think the difference is that uh, them and us is that uh, they like going places. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know single TV stuff and yeah, you know, yes, yeah. sharing PCs, yeah. sharing TVs, traveling yeah. for work, all kinds of yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. But like, I get it. I, I, and I think the price isn't isn't terrible, uh, four hundred, five thirty, or or six fifty. If you're thinking about building a PC, I feel like you'd be pretty hard pressed to come in under those. Um, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're thinking about this in console terms, it sounds expensive. But like, as for, if you're thinking about more in the PC terms that I'm sure Valve is trying to, you know, frame this thing in, like, that is not a bad cost, even for the premium version. Yeah, like, I, it's hard for me to say whether you'd get more bang for your buck, dollar for dollar, taking that money and building yourself a PC at home that goes beyond that. Like, I, I, I lost track of what the minimum PC price build is for a, a decent PC, but this seems six fifty. Seems like you'd be in in playing in the pool there. Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah. I mean, again, again, it's, been, it's it's fairly weak by most like current gaming PC standards. But again, you're paying a premium for all the stuff to be as small as it is and integrated yeah. into a. And it's a, got a screen built yeah, in and all that. Yeah, so yeah. exactly. I mean, you're gonna get close to. I mean, between 16 gigs of RAM, a power supply, and any kind of video card, you're probably getting close to $400 there anyway. Uh, not to mention yeah. your CPU and then, uh, you know, your case and everything else you got to throw in I don't there. think you're getting a good PC these days for probably much under $1,000. Mm, depends on what you're targeting. Yeah. But yeah. I, and availability on stuff is just tough now anyway, too, just in terms of desktop yeah. PC cards. I, I think it still is. Um. Those NVMe drives, though, have come down in price. I do know that. They, that seems to have fallen down. Though, again, I, that, that was me checking months ago, and who knows? The, the price on some of this yeah. stuff has, has fluctuated back and forth. Uh, let's talk about that big picture stuff. So they're, they're going to switch over big picture to integrate this new Steam Deck UI? Is that, yeah, is that are they essentially, yes. are, essentially, they are dumping big picture and replacing it with, do they have an official name for this? I think it's just this, the OS. Like, Ooh. it's just the, yeah. The Steam Deck at UI, mm-hmm. is yeah. what they're calling it. Uh, uh, let's see. I had that in front of me, and I lost it. Give me just a second. But yeah, so, like, Big Picture Mode was introduced in, what, 2015? No, it's, I think earlier than that. I think, earlier than that? Okay. I think, I, think, I think that was the last time it got updated. It was 2015. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, 2012 um, is what it was. Yeah, okay. it's, it's been around for some time, and, you know. like I use it a lot. Still, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, a couple of times uh, a week, if not every day, it it is firing up because I have, um, I have the Steam Link in the the den, and then if I have to watch the kids or something, my PC's in the basement. Uh, I will usually load something up there. It's where I played some of Death's Door, and so I I like the Steam Link in big picture mode and, and stuff like that. It is definitely due for a free a refresh. Yeah, um, it's some it's been pretty clunky for a while. Yeah, and some of that stuff. I wonder, though, if this will deprecate my Steam Link in a way. Because it chugs sometimes, even on the, the Steam Link. And I wonder if whatever they add into this just kind of makes that Steam Link turn into a pile of mud. You know? And it's just like, it's just not worth running on here. Yeah, I wonder if any of that stuff... I wonder if any of the Steam Deck UI stuff will trickle down to the old Steam, uh, Steam Link uh, devices. Well, I Sorry, assume I'm it, looking. I'm looking at so many different phrases that start with Steam right now. <laughs> Steam Deck, Steam Machines, Steam Link. Huh. Um, well, I, I assume. I assume the. Um, you know, when I launch Steam Link, as soon as it makes a connection to the computer, it is running Big Picture from my local machine. Oh, oh, oh! It's just pulling whatever it is yeah. just streaming that UI. There's there's yeah. no UI running local. Okay, then yeah, it should yeah. probably just pull in that new. So this, this the statement they gave to PC Gamer was very perfunctory. <laughs> yes, we are replacing Pig Picture with the new UI from Deck. We don't have an ETA to share yet, though. Okay. Yeah. So, so like, kind of all they had to say about it, but Big Picture is going away. I mean, this looks like a better version of that, anyway. Right. Yeah. Make uh, it better. Um. Uh. All, the sorting is terrible. Um. Finding stuff in the store is is actually uh surprisingly bad. 
Like I ne- if I ever want to buy something, I will go down to the the PC because buying anything from the big picture mode is is kind of a, a, a pain in the neck. But you know, in general, playing games on there has been pretty pretty convenient and pretty good, or at least has worked. And again, I think the options for the Steam controller have been pretty good and usable, at least in the in the stuff I've played around with. So I'll take that stuff as long as it doesn't break my Steam Link. I'll take all yeah. that. Um, and I will probably be keeping an, keeping an eye on this in the next five years because mm-hmm. like we said at the top, Valve's relationship with hardware is like the worst. Let's call it fraught to be yeah. gentle. Yeah, they, fickle? They, I don't know. It's like. They definitely have a tendency to fire sale stuff that didn't really catch on when they decide <laughs> they're done with it. But like, I mean, all that said, like the demand around this thing is like nothing I have seen for a Valve hardware release before. Like. This is purely anecdotal, but just looking at my Twitter feed and various forums and all the discords I'm on, that is all anybody was talking about last Thursday, I think it was, when this got announced. Like, it dominated conversation for, and again, when the reservations opened up, all I saw was people talking about refreshing the page, trying to get a reservation in to order one of these things. Like, there is demand. Like, it's It's really interesting. Like, the the Switch clearly has created serious demand for, like, good video games on a handheld, and... Like the number of and people I think I that saw, OLED model being kind of a yes. disappointment might have actually fueled this more. Like mm. I, I, I'm not going to assume that like that affected or moved up Valve's timetable for announcing this thing, but like the, I, I want to say, didn't Switch OLED pre-orders open up the same day that they announced this thing? Very close sure, to I, it. I, I don't remember if it was the same day. I think that might have been the case, but like mm. the the OLED Switch being such a kind of underwhelming whatever Long entity. Uh, has definitely driven more people to this thing from what I've seen. I just wonder how quickly they refresh, you know, like, is it, is this going to be a, uh, two years, there's a refresh, a year refresh, five year refresh on, on this, you know, the, the PC hardware moves extremely quickly. Yes, uh, it does. And I, I don't put it past valve to, uh, iterate on that. Also, it, um, I didn't see this in any of the kind of big print stories I, I was looking at, but are they, opening this up to third parties to basically say, Hey, make your version of it. And you can put, uh, you know, Steam oh, like they were going to do not, with like the steam boxes. Well, yeah. no. So, I mean, they did that. Like they, you, you can download steam OS and just build your own steam machine. If you want, like that's right. they're kind of doing the same thing here. Like, I don't know that they're actually going to put out like the OS from this thing hmm. to install on other devices, but they might, I don't know. Like, like I said, there are other handhelds on the market already out there that run similar hardware to this and that people are using for similar purposes. So, but the, does it, do you know if they hook into Steam in ways that are, are kind of as transparent? Because I mean that's a big thing. I mean if you're again if you're in the Steam ecosystem, and if you're not in the Steam ecosystem, I can tell you you can add a non-Steam product into Steam, and the Steam Link and other things will see that and play it just fine. At least sure. that's how it's been in the past. Hopefully they don't get uh, and police on that. Uh, you know, police that and make it so you can't do that. But you can add things from, say, the Epic Game Store, add a link into Steam, and all Steam is doing is linking to your executable and then running it full screen, and it right. seems to work just fine. Yeah, I, IGN went and spent a few days at Valve playing this thing, taking videos of it and stuff, and I watched some of that, and they talk about they talk about the fact that you can install whatever you want on this thing, but they don't talk about the reverse. of They mm. don't say, like, oh, the, the OS of this particular thing will be available for other handhelds or anything like that. Got it. Okay. So all it's right. it's hard, hard to say. Yeah, so, I mean, they that's... They seem very blasé about what you do with this thing, though. They were, seem very much like, ah, install what you want. You want to put Windows on this thing? Go for it. You know, like, whatever. Huh. huh. Well, I mean, it's a PC. At the end of the day, 
It's a it's a PC. And yeah, it's like not, they've got footage in those platform. videos. Yeah, of of them hooking it up to a, a monitor and keyboard and mouse. Like it, it is one of those. Uh, I uh, again, n- not necessarily for me right now. I'm very curious about where this market goes. Like, d- is there a market? Apparently, according to the you guys uh, saying that people are jumping on it, a market for portable uh, handheld PC stuff that goes beyond gaming laptops. So here we are. Um, you guys not not pre-ordering? Not yet. No, not interested right not, now. Not really. Not just don't have a use case for it. Yeah. Like if I if if I'm gonna travel and play games on a handheld, there are so many good Nintendo first party games to catch up on that I I'm just kind of I'm I'm fine with the Switch for the foreseeable future for that. I th- I wonder if um if you were let me ask this if we were traveling still a lot for work where you bring something and hook it up to say like the hotel TV. Would this be more interesting to you, or you'd still want to bring like it, for PC stuff? Obviously, would you still want to bring just a more powerful laptop and hook it up to a TV? Mm. Last time I tried that, it was such a crappy experience that I may never try it again. Mm. That's fair. Mm. Uh, mm. Based on the quality of hotel TVs and the accessibility of the ports on them, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Maybe just stick to the handheld mode and <laughs> no TV from from now on. Um. Adapters, adapters, adapters. You got to get something that crimps onto the existing HDMI cable and then overrides that signal. Just taps in. Uh, all right. Well, best of luck to everyone trying to pre-order these. I assume uh, you know if you got in or not. Uh, yeah, they've point. got some reservation system. They were charging like a reservation fee for people trying to put their money down. Uh, the ETA, if you do get in, apparently is already go- is being pushed out already. Like they're oh, already wow. saying like Q1 next year, Q2 next year. Oh, they did. Okay. Depending on depending on the model you go for, like they they are not necessarily going to get one to everyone who reserves one this year. Okay. Well, I will keep an eye out for the software on the big picture side. That's what I'll be looking at for to see how much that changes. Um uh Valve gets into gaming hardware. Mm-hmm. Other people getting into unexpected places getting into gaming software. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Net- Who do you mean? Oh. Net Netflix, the place where you pay money oh, to Quickster. Rent- what? <laughs> Who? Oh God! Remember that brief period when they were going to become Quickster. No. Oh my God! I forgot about that. Holy crap! No. What? No, I don't. Oh, um, and it's even worse when I Google it to see how they wait. Did they really spell it this way? It was like Q W I C. Yes. Q W I K S T E R. Is that really how they were trying to? That spell is it? correct. What the? F- I do not. I do not remember. It did not last. They did not stick with was it. Was that early yeah. on or is that like mid Netflix? I don't That was it. when they were trying to delineate their DVD mailing business yes. and their streaming business. Right. Oh. Oh, I see. So it's a little Justin TV Twitch action there. Okay. Oh, that was almost yeah. ten, that was almost ten years ago, yeah. Um well the company known as Netflix, formerly and currently, uh, the one where you, you know, you yeah, you like Alex said, you rent a DVD and they send it to your house in the mail and then uh you send it back when you're done watching MASH or whatever you Everyone got. still definitely does that. Yeah, that's the way to go. Um, they, uh, uh, they're they exploring more, or at least they put out in a letter to investors, their intent to kind of get more into games? Yes. Well, get into games at all. Yeah, they've, they've been hiring up. I guess they, they headhunted or, or recruited, I should say. Uh, a guy who used to work at EA and then Oculus. Mike Verdu. Yes, I've heard that name. I'm not super familiar with him, but uh, he is heading up their gaming division. 
I mean, you remember, you know, they put out they put out some Stranger Things games over the last yeah. handful of years. The yes. kind of little 16-bit-ish looking pixel art kind of things. I forgot they did that. They mentioned that in this messaging to investors. They did that weird interactive Black Mirror episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they, guys, there are other things like that on Netflix. Did you play that? <laughs> I did, yeah. And there are, you know, it, it is very reminiscent of bad FMV games. Okay. Um, it um, is, and it was also more? part of a very short-lived wave where there was mm-hmm. going to be this, like, interactive fiction stuff. Like, there was yeah. a whole studio, I remember, that was dedicated to working on it. Sam Barlow was working there for a while before he went huh. and started his current thing. Oh, interesting. They put yeah. out, um, I want to say that Minecraft story mode thing was on uh, Netflix as a, yes. a, as a thing yes. you could do there. Well, so was that Black Mirror thing? Was it basically just a choose-your-own-adventure kind of? Yep. More or less. Or are you going to go left or right? Yep. Yep. Are you going to get and in then, the car or not? And then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it loops It loops on some footage, right, with a timer. Mm. And then uh, you make your choice. And then, the, you know, I, maybe I'm misremembering. But, you know, you go to the cut of, like, I guess I'm going to the library. You know, and then, like, you, you mm-hmm. go over to the thing. I mean, this immediately raises the question, is that a video game, and thus, is it eligible for FM Vinny? That's, uh, well, you know, I don't know. The, I, you, you got, you're opening up a can of worms there in terms of what, uh, what is okay to stream. Now, are we so, now streaming just uh, episodes of Black Mirror? And, are, and, are, we just, are, we, are we courting the wrath of the copyright gods? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Copyright gods are dead. Uh, a man has taken their yes, place. and we killed uh, them. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, this, this, this kind of leaked out last week or has been popping up in different places. And the implication is that it would be right in the same app as everything right, else. Playing do, the games through Netflix, which is a hell of a Trojan horse to get your game service out there. Cause it does not have Netflix installed. <laughs> Me. Um, really? <laughs> I canceled Netflix earlier this year I've and been, I don't regret it. Dude. I don't know how many times I brought this up on a podcast that I've been thinking about it since I subscribed. Well, not, not since I subscribed in 2008, but like the last three, four years probably three times a year I go, I should cancel Netflix. I'd never watch that thing. And then okay. I keep giving them $14 a month or whatever it is. <laughs> Isn't it more now? Then they just raise it again. They uh, might have. The, uh, also, I think it varies by the customer. Doesn't it? Oh, I want to say like, terrible. I, you might be like, depending on when you signed up, you might be on a different plan. I forget. I forget. I need the best DVDs. Well, Alex, you have cable still, right? Yes, I do. Uh, not that, not that I think you're like sitting there binging, uh, you know, all the channels on cable. I, I mean, I still remember years and years ago feeling a little like ahead of the curve and being like, "We're just gonna cut. We're gonna cancel cable, and we're just gonna use a la carte service. We'll buy the series we want from like um, at the time when we were talking to my wife about like we'll buy the series on like iTunes or something or Amazon, and we'll just watch that series." Because we're not watching this $150 a month uh, uh, cable bills worth of stuff. And then it was like, okay, let's subscribe. We'll keep our Netflix subscription. And then at some point, I think we got Hulu. And yep. then, uh, and then you know, Amazon Prime had its whole TV offering. And then HBO Max. And then, you know, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, and now... Glorious future of like, oh, wow, $10 a month sure is, sure is cheaper than 150 And then... Yeah, all, all of the content has so balkanized at this point that you're basically paying that much anyway to get it all. Well, 
the best part is that I think there are now services that actually bundle together different yes. streaming services into a single subscription. What? So basically, we just have cable again. Name one. I need to look this up. I well, don't remember what they're called. I've known a couple people who've used them, but I've I've never signed up for I, them, so I, have, I don't know This them. sounds ridiculous. I have to see. Well, it's, well, either through, Brad, don't forget, either through just market consolidation, where Disney owns ESPN, Hulu, and uh, Disney+. Plus. So you, you sign up for one thing there and get all three of those as a service or through uh, uh, market uh, partnerships. I think some, I want to say some cable providers even offer those. Yes, I've heard like like, I think some Comcast customers get Disney Plus and some weird stuff like that. It's Uh, it's a mess. Like the whole thing is just a different mess than what the cable mess used to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there are those like live TV services that you you can uh, uh, pay for. I think Hulu has their live thing, but then, you know, there's other Oh, you mean like going on Twitch and watch someone pretending to play UFC while a UFC fight is happening behind them? Stop, that's not real. You're making that up. That's absolutely real. That happens every time there is a pay-per-view. Are you kidding me? Wait, is it like an over-the-shoulder with a controller and it's like somebody's- No, it's just like a streamer standing there with a controller in his hand, standing there with a controller in their hand, and like the fight is just happening behind them. Oh, man. Hey, man, that's just just backdrop. That's ambient decoration. (laughs) Yes. That is- Oh, that is so delicious. Um, I, I kinda, That's I, the pirate future I support. I kind of I love it a little bit. Um, yeah, so Netflix getting into games, of course, everybody's going to get into everything, you know? Listen. Well, and if they're like other tech companies that are getting into this thing, they will abandon it the second it does not immediately hit. Because, you know, we've seen what's happened with Amazon in, in game development. We've seen what's happened with Google in internal game development. Like, I don't trust Netflix to be the one that bucks the trend and suddenly figures out how to marry their existing, you know, suite of of products that people already consume with a game studio that they seem to somehow think is going to start producing content next year, even though they are already, they just have been hiring for this thing. Yeah, this this new story from yesterday follows up on the rumors where it makes it more clear that they're going to be doing mobile games first. Right. Like, like you kind of, you, you saw this and you envisioned like, oh, they're doing xCloud. They're going to be serving like real ass console style video games over Netflix, huh? But yeah, it sounds like, like the messaging to investors says games will be included in your Netflix subscription at no additional cost. Initially, we'll be primarily focused on games for mobile devices. Hmm. So that's maybe a little bit less. Also, apparently, <laughs> there's a footnote here. Apparently, Netflix extended uh, the deal they have with Shonda Rhimes to include video games. That was the one that stood out to me. So, you know, get the get the two point hospital folks on the phone. Grey's Anatomy games management sim. I like, I think way. that's hilarious, but like, I just I don't think of Shonda Rhimes' suite of, of of shows as like prime video game material. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but Did she do conspiracy. No, what was the Something, oh, something in that one. Turn that into a Hitman clone. I don't know. What? What do we? What? What IP in the Shondaverse is ripe for gamification? Truly, don't know. She is not. The stuff she makes is generally not in my wheelhouse of what I watch on television. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I understand them wanting to get big names involved. I just, I don't trust this thing at all. I don't trust it to actually launch in a meaningful way and hit the way they probably wanted to. Though I do expect we'll get a lot of press releases saying over 70 million people <laughs> played this video game we just launched in here. And then it's like, no, actually the game auto played for two minutes because right. you left the thing on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, this, this first story does have a quote from Reed Hastings in it to the effect of, well, he says, quote, we compete with and lose to Fortnite more than HBO. So. That's probably accurate. Uh, we'll see how committed they are. 
we all lose to Fortnite. Yeah, that is that is yes, that is for sure. Everybody wants in on this video game. Buy a ticket for the video game train stops in uh, Bustville or Boomville, uh, depending on where you get off. Uh, even people who have had uh, near brushes with video games. You remember, uh, remember that Halo movie? Yes. Sure. Oh, you mean the one that Neil Blomkamp was going to make? Oh, wow. What a segue. Uh, yeah. It was Neil, old Neil and Peter Jackson. They're working on yeah. their, uh, their, uh, their Halo movie. Uh, that didn't uh, happen. Oh, that's... well, Neil, maybe Neil's not done yet. He's maybe he sure does. He sure does get out there and talk about a lot of projects. that are not actually like greenlit <laughs> yet. And then they don't happen. So I, I don't know too much about this. So, so you guys, uh, t- tell me what, what is happening here? Uh, well, let's see. So Neil Blomkamp is the director of, uh, as we all know, Chappie, the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> wait, um, are a, wait, are you a Chappie guy? No, I'm not a Chappie guy, okay. but I've, I, never, I, I've never seen it, but I always think about seeing it. <laughs> District 9 is a legitimately good movie, yes, and I, I don't I, think I have actually enjoyed anything he's made since. I, I really like District 9, and I have not seen his other stuff. I guess he's got a... I, I looked him up because of this. I guess he's got a, a horror movie in the can, like, ready to go. Like, it, Yeah, I think the trailer for it, it just dropped today. It, it's, it's screened at film festivals, so that's coming sometime soon. So he's not totally done making movies, but I guess he's making games now. Yeah, so he is signed on with this studio called Gunzilla Games. They're based mm-hmm. in Germany. Um, and he is their, and I swear I'm not making this up, chief visionary officer, mm-hmm. Okay, which is as fake a job title as I've ever heard in my life. But, uh, I will say for, from this interview, which is on IGN, um, he seems like he is coming at this with a fairly pragmatic approach of understanding that he can't just direct a video game the way he would direct a movie. So he is there to sort of like... I guess essentially work with the different teams to work, to make sure that they are coming together for whatever the creative vision is of this multiplayer shooter that they are making. Um, but he is not there to try and direct it the way that like like he would a film. He is there more as a creative officer, kind of just trying to marry all the different disciplines that are making this thing. And I don't know what that really means. I'm not sure anyone does, but. You know, Blomkamp has talked about video games before. He seems like he is legitimately into them and plays that's, a lot of yes. them. That's why this is interesting to me, because this is like, you know, we're we're basically a generation removed from, remember, Spielberg and EA LA, yes. that whole thing? Like, it's like, yes. oh, Spielberg's going to help EA make video games right here in Los Angeles. And He's then, keeping what, an office there. And then we got, what, Boom Blocks out of that arrangement? Boom Blocks is all was right. It? I mean, I'm not, yeah. I got nothing against Boomblox, but like, that was it. Like, I mean, they, <laughs> yep. they talked up a bunch of games or at least more than one with like narrative ambitions that never happened. But like, you know, Spielberg's old. Like he's probably, he didn't, he did not grow up with video games, right? No. Like, like Blumkamp is much more in the age range where he probably legitimately cares about games because he's our age and he, I assume he's around our age and like he has a, you know, deeply felt attachment to the medium like we do, right? Yeah. So, a like, history. Yes. So, so like I could see maybe something a little more, I don't know, a little more involved and personal coming out of this arrangement that might be interesting. Like he, he does interesting stuff sometimes. And then other times he wants to make aliens fan fiction. I don't know. Yeah. But that, with the, yeah. You imagine he could look at a game, a product and be like, this game sucks. <laughs> like, what do we, what, we can't put this out. What are we doing? This is, this is a bad game. Whereas I feel like previously in our generation of people who came in from Hollywood to do games, 
you kind of felt like they didn't actually know the potential of games. So they were like, I don't know, you guys are the code wizards. I guess that's the best you could do. I don't know. That's amazing. You push the controller and he turns right. This is, you guys are tech wizards. Good for you. You know, I think you're right. I think somebody who has played games would be like, no, make it more like control. Like, that's a good game. Don't make it like this thing that you have made. Uh, And we got, you know, these things happen. Like, we are very familiar with actors and actresses and people who have been in movies doing FMV stints, right? And doing Mm -hmm. stuff in games. And that's where we started. Now we get really good performances, uh, both in games and in movie game or, or adaptation. Sometimes you got your, um, what's his name? The guy doing the Witcher. Who's like, yeah, I kind of like the Witcher. Henry Henry Cable. Cable, Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, okay. Yeah. You got all these actors who are like, we play a ton of games. I played, I know what this character does. Right. I know, I know what this franchise is like. I mean, you, you know, you know what that means? Like we were just, two three more elections away from the first gamer president right uh um, there you, you say you tell me joe biden is a gamer <laughs> gamer congress people exist already yeah. yes uh yeah definitely yes we uh we're we're not too far off we'll see what we'll see what ha- survives longer the the person who can play games or uh the ability to have somebody in the office in you know let's say eight to twelve years so we'll, we'll see the path the fate I, I think I will just say for my part on this story, like, it's not that I don't think Blomkamp could do good work here. I just remain thoroughly unconvinced of Hollywood talent taking a creative role in games just because of the track record. And I Mm -hmm. think just for my personal preference, it's funny you mentioned the older set of directors. I always go back to John Carpenter, like a guy who loves video games. All he talks about these days is the NBA and video games. Yes. And he clearly has, he's, he's pushing it i think and honest to god that man seems like he could not have less interest in trying to make a game does not want that do it he just enjoys consuming them that is all he does he collects his checks and he plays his video games and i could not admire that more so i'm not sure i'm wholly bought in on this thing of like okay yes your generation grew up on games you love games do you have the right mentality to have a creative influence on games versus just what if you just played them and liked them that, maybe that's the best way that relationship should be. I, I would say in response to that, that if John Carpenter is your standard, your bar, <laughs> damn near everybody else is going to suffer in comparison. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. John Carpenter is a special, a special case. Yes. To be fair. Uh, it, it is also to, should be noted. You have like these intersecting lines, right? Of, mm-hmm game developers who wanted their games to be more cinematic because movies were the, uh, and you know, to a lot the of Holy people, grail, the Holy grail, right. A respected medium, you know, the Hideo Kojima's, the Ken Levine's like, I want my cinematic experience here. And if given the opportunity would probably love to make a movie. Right. So, and then you have this other side coming in of now film directors who grew up with games that are like games, fucking rock. And, you know, I would love, I think we can make amazing games, also, both of them probably looking at, you know, dollar signs in some regard being like, well, we can make a movie. That's where the money is. And now movie directors being like, we can make a game. That's where the money is. Um, you know, I think those convergences are really interesting. To, yeah, to where see. those ley lines meet is where you open the portal to hell. <laughs> where it's and, and the first thing to greet you is some version of a Matrix game that's like, Welcome here to hell. This is where movies and videos games come to uh, reign <laughs> supreme. I'll be I'll be your host. I'll be your guide through hell, Chappy. <laughs> That's right. Um. All right. Other interesting times. I think they're both mm-hmm. right. I think we are we're gonna find 
movies and games to basically be living in the same space pretty soon. I, I, I think when I say pretty soon, probably 20 years. Um, you're already going to get them delivered through your TV uh, from services. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, let's switch gears into some Ubisoft news. Mm-hmm. Ubisoft never want to stay out of the news cycle for too long. Uh, Even maybe it. when they should. We got, we got it. Let's start with the kind of quicker, uh, uh, planned Ubisoft announcement here, which was their new entry into the Clantiverse, the new Tom, Tom Clancy game. Here we go. X defiant. Are we saying the X or are we definitely saying the I X? I believe we are saying the X in it. X, okay. X D ifient X defiant. Somehow this is not a new X-Men team. This is uh this is a fucking Tom Clancy multiplayer shooter. So so let me let me let me set this so okay, I was talking to you guys before we started being like I have read what this game is like five times and I still after about 5 minutes feel like I need to go reread what it is again because I feel like there's nothing that memorable about it. So maybe mm-hmm. this some this this will sum up maybe how I feel. This will be the sum of all your fears. Well, Oh, I'm not boy. saying I don't know what this is. I don't know what this thing is going to be yet, aside from a, a 6v6 first person arena game. But the game name is spelled X X Defiant X Capital Tom X, ca- capital, X yeah, Defiant Capital X Capital D E F I A N T. And you wonder why the X is in there. But then when you look at their branding, it's a it's a like a, a circle around the X and the D so that they make like a a, a smiley face. And that, to me, maybe is the only reason they put that X in front of the D to make that kind of emoji-style smiley face. And then when you start getting into how they are self-describing the game, maybe makes it seem more attitude than game. Oh, yeah. I think you're you're actually overthinking it because I literally think they just thought, what if a shooter meets the X games? And then they did that. <laughs> Could be. And then we put the X right there just to make it clear yeah. for everybody. Patriot Games X. X Games. It's kind of this feels a lot like what they did with that last Far Cry release, the spin-off of 5. You know, oh, five, yeah. 5 is all, you know, austere like uh it's a you know, militia/cult out in Montana. It's very serious. And then the then they did that spin-off that was all like covered in graffiti and like yeah. neon pink and like really kind of colored it up and amped it up, you know, like just made it a lot more colorful and like a bit zany, I guess. Like this kind of feels like that. Like this feels like that treatment given to the tom clancy milieu right I, but yeah but almost in a more like rage 2 way where right, yeah um, sure yes where it's like you know yes rage 2 actually i was trying to think i actually was gonna say there's like what what other game did this so visual visual treatment recently and it was totally rage 2 so rage 2 but rage 2 and its promotional materials and then not so much rage 2 when you're actually playing the game as much sure and so in their statement fast paced firefight meets punk rock mosh pit right uh, why did you have really, to say those words again when i you know when i think of when i think of punk rock punk rock mosh pits i think tom clancy <laughs> yeah no there is nothing more punk rock than long lavish descriptions of military hardware couched between barely plots fear-mongering terrorism in russia yeah uh i i'm not sure i'm very confused uh um uh, Mark Rubin, I, I, the the quote I saw in the story uh, said also, and there will be an ever growing arsenal of authentic weapons and attachments, which is like, is that is that kind of at odds a bit with with, with the fantasy part 
of uh, the the punk rock mosh. I guess you can I make those think things work together. I I don't think there's enough information yet. I I will just say that the the way they presented what is supposed to be the aesthetic attitude of this thing uh really set off my Poochie the dog alarm bells like some <laughs> okay, real sure you know let's rostify this game by 25 percent fucking okay. designed by committee shit also the fact that like two 40 year old guys standing in front of you one of which had a slightly different blazer like <laughs> to, to describing the punk rock mosh pit aspect of the game does not give me any hope that there is anything here for anyone other than just a vague completely unbearable level of attitude I mean, this if this more than anything drove home the point that you know Ubisoft owns the personhood of Tom Clancy. Mm. Oh, they like super they, still do. They bought the name Tom Clancy, and it's just a brand at this point. Like that's all it is. You know, this is like what is this the third multiplayer Tom Clancy shooter that is going to be on the market simultaneously? Because like I think so. Siege, yeah, Siege is not slowing down at all, and they've got right. um, Division Two. No, 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 no. The uh, oh god, that's the fourth one. I <laughs> yeah. forgot about Division. I was. The, the other one, ghosts, uh, the ghosts. other one, no, no, the other one still, that's still coming out that they renamed is Extraction now. Oh yeah, the one that used to be Quarantine. The one that oh, was Quarantine oh, oh. until they renamed it recently. Okay. I think it's Extraction is what they yeah. changed yeah. it to, right? That, like, that, but that, that's like in the Siege verse, though, isn't it? Like, well, like, I guess, but they yeah. still, it's just one Tom Clancy. It's just a Clancy after one Clancy after another. Are there Look, Ghost Recon games made anymore? Or are those? Uh, uh, I think tabled? Wild. What, oh no, 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 God. <laughs> I forgot about Wildlands. Well, oh, right. but while I started to say not since Wildlands, but there totally was another one since Wildlands, and I yeah. cannot believe I'm blanking on it. Breakpoint. Breakpoint. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. Just Breakpoint was extremely forgettable. Breakpoint had a tumultuous release. Let's say. Yeah. Um, how about look? Uh, I am not here to argue for the sanctity of the Tom Clancy name. There is no such thing. He is a guy who wrote some fairly effective military thrillers that turned into a movie franchise that turned into a video game franchise. That's all it is. But I will just say that trying to apply this level of attitude to what are Tom Clancy. I've read like five Tom Clancy novels, and they are some of the most. Yes, I have. I read them when I was a kid. (laughs) Okay, they are some of the driest, least exciting books you will ever read in your life. Like there is some drama in there, but mostly it is a man who knows a lot about military hardware, Mm -hmm. flexing how much military hardware he can describe. And I there's like at this point there is just no. No attachment whatsoever to anything that was Tom Clancy. He is just a video game name now. R.I.P. Tom Clancy. Um, yeah, sure. Yes, absolutely. But you know, nonetheless, he he got paid. Oh yeah, I hope I hope his estate still gets something from these games. I mean, well, I, his son was mm-hmm. out there doing a lot of the legwork. I think for the video game, the other Tom Clancy, right? Yes. Spelled with a T H. That's right. Yeah, that's yes. Tom Tom Clancy. Yes. yes. So yeah, I I mean, again, I when this came up, and I heard that they're gonna drop a game, I re- a Tom Clancy game. I really thought that we were gonna get a Splinter Cell announcement and not this. Uh, but you know, this is where this is where we're at, right? Free to play. I should we should mention. I don't know if we mentioned that at the top. Yeah, free to play, six v six, um, uh, <coughs> cl- class based multiplayer arena game. Yeah, um, just like every other video game now. That's this is what video games are now. Really is the like you pull out a paintbrush and put a stroke on the on the canvas and it's a 6v6 free to play multiplayer class based shooter and like mm-hmm. that's the default color uh and yep. then it just you know you add some uh you add some punk rock mash pit around the edges and then you know Did you just say you mash pit? Mash pits. Like it's got uh it's got Alan Alda. <laughs> that's that's the Wisconsin mosh pit. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Get in your mash pits. It's like, uh, it's like a mosh pit, but you dump a sack of potatoes in there beforehand. So you. That's right. When they're done, you have delicious mashed potatoes. Delicious. Mm. High octane. Uh, I'm not trying to be too down on it. It just doesn't ha- seem to have a lot that stands out to me personally in this game, but it's also not here yet. So we will see. No. Um, Look, I'll I think play th- a good Tom Clancy game. I'm just saying this is setting off every alarm bell in my brain of like, I will not be able to tolerate this. Uh, and the uh, gameplay testing, I believe, or whatever form that is uh, taking, you can go register. I think it's like two weeks. It's uh, it's early August. So uh, they should be able to see some stuff there. So you can go register on the, um, again, X Defiance official stuff. But Ubisoft had some other uh, coverage let's say mm-hmm. uh, maybe not on, coverage it was looking for going on recently uh about other uh properties not tom clancy related but um i don't know i had a segue into here boats pirates boats skull, skull and bones, bones. it's a skull game that bones. we have been wondering about for some time and you know the the i think the prevailing theory was that it had maybe been canned or had been shoveled off somewhere and was maybe not ever going to come out along the lines of a beyond good and evil 2 um but apparently it is still in development and apparently it has had an extremely rocky development um so kotaku posted this story uh ethan gatch was the writer uh and it is a fairly detailed behind the scenes sources look at what has gone on with that game <laughs> the headline for the- not that yeah. you know. Sorry, not to, not to just bring the the topic du jour into this podcast and uh-huh. and, and talk about another Kotaku headline. <laughs> but they described the game as Ubisoft's eight year nightmare. Yeah. So this game has apparently cost a great deal of money mm-hmm. uh, in the like low hundred million range so far to develop. It was being headed up by Ubisoft's Singapore studio, and I believe technically still is. Um, but alongside everything else going on at Ubisoft over the last several years, uh, this game has had a particularly rough go of it. Um, there's apparently been a ton of stops and starts on this thing, a ton of restarts entirely. It was originally supposed to be an expansion for Assassin's Creed Black Flag before they turned it into a full game. Black Flag was a launch game on the PlayStation 4. Yes, it was. Also, that is like the the like least surprising thing in the world because everybody. Oh, it who looked saw just that, like it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like revealed totally, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm just that's that's that was too long ago. You can't spin <laughs> off that at this point. But yeah. the idea was that you know when they eventually spun this off into a bigger game, it would not be as much about like the running around in an Assassin's Creed game, more about the boat combat. Yeah. yeah. But then again, at some point, I guess they decided that there also needed to be getting off the boat stuff, which changed the whole development cycle for that thing. There were a ton of ideas that were started and stopped. They've gone through multiple creative directors on this project. And apparently one of the sticking points here, and the reason why this game is still very much in development at the moment, is because there was a deal signed with the the Singaporean government that granted them some tax subsidies, basically upon the, you know, the understanding that they would complete this game with their Singapore studio. Hmm. and that has not gone to plan. It has cost them a great deal of money to make this thing so far, and it does not sound like they are particularly close to this thing coming out. Like, they have targeted a 2022 release date, but some of the people uh, sourced in this story seem to think that is maybe not super likely. So, it seems like it's in a bad state, and, you know, some of this stuff is definitely brushes up against some of the bigger internal issues that Ubisoft has had, over the last year or two, uh, where, you know, a number of people have exited the company due to, you know, harassment and, you know, toxic workplace situations. 
And the Singapore studio in particular sounds like it was has not had a great run as far as like management, leadership, Paris interfering in a lot of stuff. Mm. The whole thing just sounds like a giant mess. Ubisoft Ubisoft has some some development stories, huh? Like I'm not even talking all the kind of dark and toxic stuff. Like they've got mm-hmm. games that um just seem to be in forever land, like just just on in I don't like what is what is beyond good and evil 2 at this point? Like is, no one knows. That's the thing. There's and there's very little illusion in the story to what is actually going on there, other than you know it. Most people seem to think it has gone on the back burner somewhere, but no one seems to I really would, know. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, I, 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 with I, Michelle I Ansel would, out of there now. Yes. Well, what's I mean, that other game that he was uh, the Wild? The, yeah, and wild. that was his studio making that. that. Also got announced around the time those new those new I started to say new consoles came out, meaning the PlayStation Four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, one of the uh, things I, they I, made, I, sorry, I, I would I don't know that I would put money on either of those games or this one coming out at the maybe wild, but Skull and Bones and BG&E 2 both. Mm. I don't know that I would bet on those ever seeing the light of day at this point. I mean, things do change when you start getting into governmental contracts around yeah, stuff, you know, and we all know we all remember the 38 studios. I was thing. just about to say, let's ask yeah. Chris Schilling's opinion on this topic. <laughs> And this is obviously, you know, that was an independent studio that made its own deal with the state government, whereas this is a major, you know, international corporation making a deal with a specific country's government. I don't know the details of this deal, obviously, but like it it sounds like there is some push to that where this game may have to come out in some state or another. Mm. And so the uh, there was another thing I was going to say um there was, a, I guess, a response to this story that went up somewhere where Ubisoft basically was like, you know, our developers are working hard, hard on this game and we do not appreciate, you know, these kinds of rumors uh, getting out there and, you know, potentially tanking morale on mm. this project. And I'm just like, okay, first of all, you you have some stones to talk about company morale right now amid everything else going on. And two, I think we are getting a pretty good window lately into what the next wave of corporate response to criticism is going to be, which is going to be the most defensive deflection you've ever seen in your life. Um, there's a, I think this is the tone companies are going to start striking as they come, come into contact with more and more indefensible stories that they can't really get around. Like, I, And this is a totally different situation, but I will just say... There was a thing going around yesterday about the WWE, a company that is constantly harangued by its fan base and is constantly dealing with negative PR stories, uh, where they may have trademarked a phrase uh, that is, complaining is not conversation. Wait, it really rolls off the tongue? Yeah. Huh. Can't can't wait to hear as people in, screaming that ringside. They may week. be using this as some way to sort of like try and deflect away all the criticism of their product and things that are going on at the company to be like, hey, your complaints are not conversation. You know, we're here for your feedback, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's like they are trying to deflect away this story by saying, you know, this actually really hinders morale when stories like this get out. You know, it really it really affects our developers. And it's just like, no, no. Well, uh- I bet I mean, a, you I bet mean, a portion you mean the of same, that is true. 
those same developers providing all this information to the reporters who are putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Like, I bet, I bet a portion of that is true, but it's probably not the people who need the, who are at the most risk of, you know, either have left already because of this. It's the people who are like, I need to make this project work or as my ass is on the line. And, you know, now I can't get hires because you've, you know, exposed this thing. Yeah, that's, that's not, <laughs> I don't know what the, uh, like skull and bones does not need a Kotaku story for anyone to think that is a troubled project. Like if that's, if you're looking for, uh, uh, the thing that tells you trouble skull and bones is in trouble, look for skull and bones. Like that yeah. is, you know, that is not the thing. Uh, it, you know, we've had a long history of games. It could turn around. Uh, the thing that I always think about is Sleeping Dogs, right? Sleeping Dogs had one of the most turbulent development histories, and I really liked that game when it finally came out. Now, did it work out okay in the end? Maybe for Sleeping Dogs, but not for um, uh, geez, who started on that? Uh, gosh, that was put uh, out by Square in the end, right? Square published it. I'm the oh gosh, the developer of that game is on the tip of my tongue. Uh, United I'm, Front. Yes. United Front Games, <laughs> yes. Um, it maybe didn't end all well there, but like Sleeping Dogs, it made it across the finish line. Yeah. They, they, they uh, released a product. They, they put something out. I don't uh, know. I was able to pull up the actual response from Ubisoft. Here is what it is. That being said, any unfounded speculation about the game or decisions being made only works to demoralize the team who are working very hard to develop an ambas- ambitious new franchise that lives up to the expectations of our players. Okay. What stop you think stop of the, all your reporting on bad things in the workplace. Please think of our developers. Yeah. Yeah. Please think of the little people because we certainly do all the time. I mean, like I said, I think I think there is the the thing I will give that is like, yeah, man, when you read about the bad shit at the place you work, it really makes you kind of, I'm not, I'm not, don't read too much into that. I'm not I'm just saying <laughs> it is uh people who have stories about their workplace published are like this does suck. You know, that is, yeah. that is a bummer. Right. Because Again, maybe there's a reason why people are going on record, yeah, albeit totally. anonymously. Again, like that's the, like I said, like for them to invoke like the morale of their developers who are the same ones who were saying, Hey, this thing is fucked and it sucks here. Yeah. Yeah. Is, right. is pretty hollow. Pretty and hollow. there's been, you know, I, I will say in the time since the story has come out, I think a couple of other high profile Ubisoft people have left the art director mm. and the Assassin's Creed franchise just took off. And, you know, I'm not saying it's because of this specific thing. It sounds like there are a lot of different elements that are coming to play with some of the stuff, but like, I can't imagine the culture there right now is like making people really want to stay. I hope, I hope the there are talented people who are getting a paycheck, who are working on this game, who have been able to start and and get their career moving throughout the decade this game has been in development and and come out the other side of it. Uh, no excuse for a bad workplace. And I hope those people have oh, yeah. come out the other side of it. Um, at least with something on their resume when this is all said and done in terms of skills and, and development and some money in their pocket. Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for every company to talk about how, uh, these negative criticisms are actually impacting our mental health and it's, uh, it's not okay. And I, that is the moment when I just unplug from the internet and I'm fucking done. No more. Uh, you know, you really made Alex, you made our chief visionary officer really upset, <laughs> really upset. Uh, and our CVO hasn't been back, uh, uh, here for a while. You said some pretty mean things about, uh, punk rock mosh pits and vision. 
and Chappie. I, I did say some things about Chappie. <laughs> you, did, you did say I'm sorry <laughs> that I e-bullied Chappie, okay? So, Chappie doesn't deserve this. Um, is that it for, for the news? I think yeah. so. Uh, that was, uh, uh, Steam Deck, your, your, your portable PC hardware now in non-laptop form, your Netflix games at some point now in possible in your Netflix app services. Well, more TBD on that. Your, uh, uh, your chief visionary officer, Neil Blomkamp, 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 Blomkamp. Um, is in has something in the works. Uh, that's the director of District Nine, Chappie, and Elysium. Elysium did not enjoy that movie. It's not uh, good. Forget it's not a good movie. Might be a little on the side of like this is not good. This is actually there's stuff in here I just don't like. Um. Anyway, more on that. And then uh, your your uh, Ubisoft news there. You got your new game in the Tom Clancy universe, six v six free multiplayer game. Stuff kicking off in August if you want to see more of what that is. And then uh, Skull and Bones, a story write-up on uh, Kotaku by, again, who is the author? Ethan Gatch. Uh, Ethan Gatch, yes. Okay, you can check that out. Headline on that one. Uh, first, it was an Assassin's Creed expansion. Now it's a Ubisoft. Now it is Now Ubisoft. it is a Ubisoft nightmare. It, yeah, eight-year nightmare. You can look for that story on Kotaku if you want to read it. Um, big old write-up there. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about games. We're going to talk a little bit about Death's Door, some Skyward Sword, some Final Fantasy uh, remake check-ins. I have finished it. But first, we're going to take a brief break, and we'll be back soon. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> It's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander, rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. 
You're gonna put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. One leg at a time, like I always do. <laughs> ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. Yeah. What, what are you doing on that vacation there? I was. I had to access my GitHub account, uh -huh. and I was doing yes. some coding, and then sure. I, I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's That's fast That's what enough. they all it's say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know they didn't know a damn thing. Says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we are back. And we're going to talk about some video games. We're going to get oh. into it. Yeah, but you, video how do you guys games? feel about video games? I like them. I played this game, Death's Door, mm -hmm. and I was reminded that I really enjoy video games. That there are video games that I just like playing. In particular kinds of video games, even. Yeah, you know, I have like a varied palette, and you know, yeah. I, I'll take on... But there's something about this game that I really, really liked. It didn't push me off. There was a, there was a difficulty curve that was like kind of not too steep. Like, pretty mm -hmm. mellow. Um... So Death's Door is a new game that came out uh, this week, if you're listening to this at the time of release, uh, put out by Devolver Digital. I feel like it you is, just have to say that up front for everything Devolver makes, because that just immediately puts you in the Devolver frame of mind. <laughs> yes. Like, not I was like, this is, like, this is not like, the most Devolvery game of theirs no. that I've played, but yeah, I know what you mean. No, I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's certainly not as unconventional as something like, say, Boomerang X, which I finished last week and is amazing. Um, uh, but, but, it, you know, still like it is a certain category of indie action game that they specialize in. Yeah, sure. The, a broad but category. The, but I, I'm with Alex. This one doesn't seem like it fits as neatly into, um, it, it, there's something about it that seems like if you told me this was not a Devolver game, like this isn't a, this isn't a poster child Devolver game. There's very little edge to this. I was literally just, I was, <laughs> I was waiting to say that and you beat me to it. It's not, it's not particularly edgy. Yeah. Uh, it's put out by, uh, it is developed by Acid Nerve. They're the folks who uh, did Titan Souls. If Titan you Souls, that yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I wanted to like Titan Souls. It didn't quite grab me. It was interesting, though. It was kind yeah. of overhead, overhead Zelda-ish hack and slash that was like nothing but boss fights, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of I, ran around fighting different bosses, and it was cool, but it didn't really totally get there. I kind of bounced off it, too. Um, play, played a bit of it. This is 20 bucks. It's available on uh, Xbox and on the PC. Uh, it is the best way I can describe it shorthand-wise. It's a pretty 
light old school or you know it is a link to the passage zelda you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's a zelda like but an old overhead like overhead hack and slash kind of thing yeah with with dungeons and puzzles and a kind of a, an overworld you're playing as this crow who is uh in this bureaucratic bureaucratic system of reaping souls they they kind of grim reaper-esque crow yeah. uh meets kind of um think of the you know this has been done in media before the kind of uh, uh, everyday bureaucratic nonsense yes. of having to take care of souls. Yes, uh, it's it's the Beetlejuice thing. It's the it yeah. is the Beetlejuice thing of administrating the afterlife, which I am a sucker for. Definitely. Yeah. And also in this case, they're all birds. They're yeah. all they're, they're, they're all birds. They're all, they're all crows. They're all different types of crow and stuff. Which I really like that. It's pretty lighthearted when you get into it. Despite mm-hmm. looking kind of macabre, it's all like black and white at the beginning. Macabre. I don't feel like they do that much with that setting, though. It's really just kind of a hub where you go to upgrade your powers and kind of teleport back and forth to the different actual areas of the game. Yeah, I was kind of hoping there would be like a little bit more like narrative and character interaction stuff in there. Because you get in there, there's like a big whole central hub where there's like a bunch of crows just working at desks, you know, yeah, like yes. actuating the the afterlife. <laughs> and I kind of want it like and maybe maybe more of that opens up later on or something. I don't know. But like. Where I am in it, whenever I go back there, there is a shopkeeper I talk to, and that is pretty much it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there are some other characters around there, but it is not a it is not a fleshed out part of that game. It is also not really a narrative heavy game, at least from what I've played. Like there is a story and there are, you know, there is backstories to some of the main characters, but it does not feel like it is relying on that. Uh so I I I'm up to the I'm still working my way through the second big boss encounter or the okay i just finished game? the one with the the witch lady okay so that's you're right, the first one yeah i think um so did you meet the lord of doors <laughs> what i did meet the lord of doors yes <laughs> lord oh. of doors is pretty cool uh i think that's what their name is the lord of doors okay uh, i'm kind of excited about that i was gonna mention i met i i'm i'm in the the mansion the witch's mansion looking yeah. for her but the the pothead character was not bad yes there's the, a there's like a there's a knight or somebody who has had his his head turned into a giant pot of soup. It does seem yes. like that is that witch's predilection and, is uh, pottery yeah. as curse. And they, and, they, and they zoom in on him and just the, the word pothead pops up. Like mm-hmm. the titles, like the way that they treat like fonts, you know, like words popping up on the screen, yeah. that kind of title are done pretty elegantly. Like there's some pretty creative presentation of some of that stuff. Yeah. Like the, it, way, it, the way you die to it. Yeah. The way you die in that game is one of the best death screens I have seen. It's real good. In a very long time. Because all it does is cut out the action on the screen. It goes black except for a cutout of what's still happening where you're dying that just says the word death. Yeah. Like full screen. It's very stylish. You have to see it in action, but it's just it's it's very good. Yeah, so so I think I, there are characters that have some charm, but it is not it is not the main thrust there. You you meet some other people. There's a, one small little very tiny little village thing that I passed by when I was playing yesterday. Uh, but the characters, I think the interactions, when you do interact, I do like them. I liked interacting, yeah. uh, even the limited time I interacted with the witch. It was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is well done. Uh, and there's this frog character that you interact with and everybody is kind of like, Hey man, why are you here? Just leave me alone. Uh, and the pothead, uh, also mm-hmm. an unfortunate, uh, uh, pot for a head. There's the guy I liked the 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 gravekeeper who's like just if you could just try and kill me just say like nobody's strong right. enough just, yes. just uh, very blasé and just sort of like <laughs> cheerful about it. it's like oh yeah no I know I can't die but hey just, if you get stronger give it another <laughs> shot 
Just, <laughs> that's right. I, mean, I don't, I don't know why I'm immortal, but if you could find a way to do something about it, I would really appreciate it. So, so I kind of like that. And, you know, just kind of everybody going about their business as you uh, uh, figure out the main, the main kickoff for the story is there is this one, you, you, you kind of go through these doors to reap these souls that are supposed to be reaped, these kind of doors to other places. And there's one door that uh, uh, has cannot be opened because it needs these big old souls from these, these uh, souls that have been around too long, impossibly Titanic long. souls, you might Titan- call them. Yes, yes, these titanic souls that it should not be. Uh, so you're, you're kind of out there to go open this door. You also missed your bounty, basically. Your, your, your soul got away. One you were supposed to reap got away from you. And that's very bad for your lifestyle as a and soul career. collector. Yeah. So, uh, so to do that, you kind of set off on this top-down Zelda-like thing where you're you're the combat's. I found the combat pretty good. I did have some performance issues playing on the the PC with some hitching, hitching and stuttering, it's, like it, almost like I was running too quickly for the screen to keep it up. Is, sometimes it is like that on the Xbox as well. It's not like it's it's far from game breaking, at least on yeah. the Series X, but it is noticeable. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame because you want it feels like it should be a very fluid combat system yeah. and it's, when that stuff comes up um it does just get in the way a little very little bit but uh, you know it's a it's a invincible role which is very handy to have yes uh, so you're dodging through a lot of attacks uh you commit to an attack so there's a lot of uh commitment on your swings so hopefully you're in the right position, but it's a fairly forgiving game like it yeah. is yeah part I, I do think I mean you know it is it is very much a an overhead you know hack and slash in the Zelda vein. But I do think it has some Dark Souls touches to it. Not a ton, but like you're opening up a lot of shortcuts. You are opening you're oh, yeah. seeing you're seeing a lot of ladders that are not extended until you get around up top and hit a switch, and now the ladder is extended. And now you can take that shortcut. You know, there's a lot of But that I put stuff, that in the Zelda bucket. Well, kind of. I mean, it's it's it could go either way, but the <laughs> other thing is like it also very much has that thing of like this plays pretty well, but like if my combo was just a little bit faster, if the cooldown on the roll was just a little bit shorter, I would be so much more effective. And then sure enough, like you were grinding out soul currency from killing enemies and bosses yes. and going back and upgrading exactly those attributes throughout the game. Yep. That's right. Yeah, so like, to, to the point that I had to stop myself from just grinding in the first area, I was like, man, <laughs> if I could get one more weapon speed upgrade before I moved on to the next area, that would be real nice. But I, I resisted the urge. The, the one thing much. I- it's very much that. The one thing I will say in its favor in that regard is that I don't think it sucks before you start upgrading that stuff. Like, I think the core, like, when you start out gameplay still feels pretty good. I don't mind the boosting and, you know, the the skill tree stuff over time. My only beef ever comes when it's like it legitimately does not feel good or fun to play these combat encounters until you get those upgrades. But that's kind of what I was getting at is, like, it's manageable, but... You have to you have to choose your moments really carefully before you start getting those upgrades because you can't necessarily roll out of a combo, right? And that kind of thing. It's like, oh, why really? It's very much that like, don't go in for one extra hit on that boss because yeah. it's just going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. Like, but at the commit. same at the same time yeah. though, like other. So I will say I started playing it and I was not super enamored with it when I got into that opening area, like because that that the first zone where before you really start getting into the meat of what's going on there. It's like fine, you know, but then you get into a couple of the boss encounters and you're like, okay, there's something here. I think the bosses are actually the thing that game does really well. Like, it's not that they're like extremely challenging. It's actually not, they're not extremely challenging, but they're varied and they have like very discernible patterns that just take a little bit of discipline and a little bit of focus to get through. 
And uh, that to me is exactly what I want from a game like this and these kinds of bosses. I don't want to be punished because I missed one roll somewhere and then I'm dead because I just didn't, you know, do the exact right sequence of combos. Like it feels very, very discernible and they feel well thought out, at least in the ones that I've done so far. They also don't seem to overstay their welcome at least. Like, yeah, they're uh, not a million hours long. Oh, then that is a relief. The, um, yeah, the the committing on the the hits or the, the swings definitely takes a little getting used to. Also, you you move forward often when you when you strike in a way that pushes you into an enemy that you have to be right. careful if that enemy will damage you. Uh, you get different weapons. Uh, some of those weapons are faster strikes or, or more commitment on the strike. You know, you're you're doing the kind of typical thing of trading speed for power on on some of those, uh, and so you know, use your 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 preference on that. I have tried to dump as many points into uh, basically damage, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like basically min-maxing the damage uh, attribute, just because I want to, I want to get rid of an enemy before they can attack. I want to roll up to an enemy, hit him as quickly as I can, and get out of there as, as quickly as I can. Seems to be working okay for me so far. Uh, light puzzle stuff. Uh, it's very much get make your way through the dungeon. You're going to see some things you can't interact with until you get the dungeon item. Then you'll be able to interact with that thing. And then you'll open up even more shortcuts. That game loves its shortcuts. It sure does. That game, that game loves kicking down a ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, uh, it is very much, uh, and again, this is maybe why I put this in the Zelda bucket. It is, you walk in the front door of the dungeon and eventually you'll just have a ladder that goes to the boss. Like that is, uh, yes. like, well, so that'd just, be, that is, that's where, well, it's probably both, but that, that also feels very dark souls to me of like, okay, you finished this whole area. You made it to the fog door. Now mm. we're just going to give you a shortcut from the bonfire yeah. to to the fog door. Uh, it has um health. Re- it does health recharge stations in a fairly unique way, where you kind of get these seeds you plant in flower pots. You don't have to plant them; they're limited in number. At least they seem limited in number. You pick them up along the way. You hit a flower pot. You can choose to plant that seed and then uh, use it to get your health back. And then when you die. Um, that will come back again. So it's kind yeah. of a health restore location. Yes. And then it's permanent, it's permanent. Yeah, permanent per location, but you can't, you can't fill out every location. So you still have to kind of decide which ones. Yeah. Are going to be your most useful. So I, I kind of hold on to those for as long as I can until I need one, but it's pretty generous on death. You die, you, you go back to the last door you came in, but you've probably opened up so many shortcuts at that point. You can get back to where you were pretty quickly. And it, Aside from that, I do not think there's any penalty for death. You don't like lose your currency or no, the souls no, you picked no, up. You don't, and, you don't like drop souls or anything like that. Yeah, there's no corpse retrieval or anything like that. You can get a little lost. Uh, I, I, navigating, I, yes. got a little bit lost. That first area wondering. in particular, a lot of that stuff, a lot of that scenery in that first in that graveyard area looks exactly the same. It sure yeah. does. Damn close to it, and I really wish that game had a map. I don't know yes. if you get one later. I have not gotten a map. I, I mean, there are signposts, but they're too few and far between. Yeah. And um, until you, yeah, for sure. Even just, even at the very least, um, in that overworld part, um, I ways to point you to the general direction you should be heading. Because they basically say, hey, there are three dungeons. Go off and go get them. Oh my gosh, something upstairs happened. I had to hit the red light again. Um, uh, three ways you should go. And they kind of point you towards the first one, and then after that, it's like, well, you go find the second one. Good luck. Oh, do they not? Okay, I was I was wondering that because, I, in fact, can you even skip the witch and go straight to the next one? Or 
I think they might gate it by the dungeon item you get. I'm not okay. 100 sure. Because some of but- those paths, I think, I'm pretty sure are blocked. Yeah, that's that's because they because they they very visibly unlock the gate to the witch. When, yeah, because yeah. you you meet the dude, you meet the guy who sends you on your your big quest, and he's like, "You must kill the three great souls, and here yeah. they are: one to the north, one to the east, one to the blah blah blah." But it wasn't clear to me if you could just go to any of them whenever you want, or if you have to do them in that order. That feels like a new game plus thing, maybe I don't know. But yeah. uh, did either have either of you guys tried uh, hacking up the the signposts? Hell yeah. I, I saw that going around on Twitter this morning. Yeah. I didn't do it myself, but that's pretty good. It's a little bit of good UI where once you, you break the signpost, it turns into two signposts. And when you look at either one of them, it's only half yeah, the sign. When you, yes, like the actual overlay UI, the, the, the HUD in the game is only half. Uh, yeah, it, it's good. It's, you know, it's not, it's not as deep as a big studio it's not as big as a zelda game it doesn't feel as deep it's pretty by the numbers i think it's you know it's very three hit combo like you've got a sword you've got a charge attack like you you can roll you've got a bow and arrow Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i not that you know not that this is that relevant to the final product but it was apparently only made by two people which at least sort of reframes it in my mind in terms Mm. of the scope of it and it's twenty dollars and it doesn't it it doesn't feel to me like a game that was only made by two people you know like that's what i mean the scale is definitely different than something like a a full-scale zelda but like i haven't found myself like wondering about like what depth could have been there or what was missing like it feels complete for what they were trying to accomplish yeah i i really like it because it feels it feels finishable and, mm-hmm. and like it feels it has uh, a really good scaling of difficulty. I feel like, yeah, it feels like something I might be able to get through in a reasonable amount of time. I, and maybe this is coming off of final fantasy seven remake, which mm-hmm. I think overstays its welcome by like, like a factor of eight. So right. like this feels like I am making progress through this game at a clip that is, um, at a pace I enjoy, right. That it, it is meeting me halfway and being like, you know what? Listen, let's just, kick down that ladder you could just go through this thing and like or in a boss fight being like hey you've hit this guy enough he's just gonna die (laughs) and be like okay um you know and it's i'm finding it satisfying it makes me feel like a better gamer than i am Mm -hmm. or game player i I like it when games lie to me in a way that makes me feel good yeah it's like just tilting the numbers enough in my favor where it's like oh you probably should have died there or like this this looks more dangerous than maybe it ever was but like you did a good job in this battle good job you're you're you can you can knock those shots back good for you um and like that i appreciate that i I, i'm not above a little like uh uh, pandering or lying to in a game so and and the and the trappings of it uh, i'm enjoying as well Um, oh yeah the art nice really nice clean art style yeah good music yeah, curious where the story goes. Like there, I am actually after beating the the witch, the ceramic witch, and like getting that. And it seems like the frog is in a similar vein to that story. There's something going on there. There, there is a little bit of a uh, a mystery happening mm-hmm. that is uh, um, maybe more than get the MacGuffin to open the door. Right, it's a uh, a little bit more internal business happening at the Bureau of Crows that I would like to fill out between, between the uh, stages you sometimes explore or even during one you explore back within the kind of bureaucratic building in these kind of lost archives. And you can get some journals and notes there. It's very sparse, but uh, some, some filler story there. Also, I like that Lord of doors was uh, interesting. Uh, Death's door. It's available now. 
Steam and Xbox. I don't know um, what the future plans are for it. Maybe on uh, Windows, on the PC store on Windows, probably. I didn't actually check Maybe. there. But, I actually, uh, like, was trying to figure out if it was on Game Pass. I feel like that's where we're at now, where we, like, preemptively now. <laughs> if it's... If it's if it's PC and Xbox only, you preemptively need to make sure whether it's on Game Pass or not because it very well could be. But I don't yeah. think this one is. Um, if you want to see some footage of it, I, I streamed it um, uh, on Tuesday, uh, about an hour and a half of it from the first boss onward into the second level. If you want to get a uh, look at it, I think it's a pretty game. Yeah. Like a, yeah. a, a well, Except, I think, Brad, to your point as well, I think some of those areas may be a little too samey in navigation without a map, and that can be distracting. Yes. Can I talk about um, Final Fantasy Remake and my kind of thoughts here at the uh Yeah, I think that's a natural quickly? enough transition. I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we spent a lot of time talking about Final Fantasy VII and the remake, but I, I want to I say here, I'm not going to spoil anything, but holy crap, that game doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> It really doesn't, and you guys will know this because I said this before we recorded the podcast, I think it was last week, I said, hey, can we delay it by like uh, an hour because I think I'm just about done here. I really love to finish this game before we record. I had about nine hours left. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Eight, eight to nine hours left Wow. Uh, in that game. I was nowhere close. Um, that game does not know when to stop. Just, or I shouldn't say that. I mean, it got, has to get where it has to get to. It keeps putting so much stuff in the way. Now, some people are going to have a different response to this, obviously, but maybe it's because I really wanted to get through it at that point. And it's like, just let me finish. But there was so much stuff that felt like filler and BS that was like, you have got to be kidding me. We're doing this. We're going to do this now. And um, man, man, it unfortunately, I think left a kind of sour taste in my mouth for what was otherwise an experience I was really enjoying uh, up until that, I would say kind of chapter 14 or 15 on just felt like it was being strung along so much. Like in so ways you're saying like, you didn't oh, immediately boot up that Yuffie DLC is what you're saying. No, I finished that game at two 30 in the morning. It was one of those I ones yikes. where it's like, I'm going to sit down. It's, Oh, it's, it's nine thirty. I probably only have a half hour left. I'm going to finish it up. And then was like, and here's my other really big complaint about it for an otherwise really pleasant experience. Towards the end of that game, there are multi-stage boss fights in which you have to start over from basically the first stage of that fight. Uh, and they don't let you skip the cutscenes. Uh, so there are parts of that fight where you're just waiting huh. for everybody to get back up. And then the boss is going to say his thing. And then it's going to kind of, you know, do a thing. And you're like, you hit that pause button and all it says is resume or quit. Uh, and you're like, give me, cause it's an in engine cutscene, And I feel like the only ones they actually let you skip are the rendered ones. Um, so would not be a problem as, cause you know, by the time I was up to it, I wasn't having that hard a time with it, but there are some attacks by some of those bosses that are party wipers that are like, you, you're just not, you're not, you don't know the boss yet. And you're like, uh, that's fine. Oh, game, yeah. Right. Yeah, don't stand close to this boss because when they do this thing, it's an AOE that just takes out your or locks you in place with uh, uh, freezes you, and then you just get um, um, uh, nibbled away until you're dead. When they when they when they use a spell called Doom, they mean it. <laughs> um, so I'm not gonna talk about the story stuff. I just kind of want to talk about my takes on where that game winds up because I I think my favorite part of that game is the part where you're running around with Aerith 
with Cloud and doing the stuff there. I think that was my favorite chunk of that game. It's kind of right in the middle. Uh, and then on either side of that, the beginning I thought was too long to get going. And towards the end, from uh, uh, entering the tower and on, it just it just really set aside a week plus of dedicated playing because I don't think I don't think trying to chew through that as quickly as possible is the way to go. Like enjoy it, savor it, take your time, go away from it, come back. It's just it's just too much. Yeah. Do you have your final hour count by any chance? It's in the. It's I think it's around forty. Okay, that's yeah. still not as bad as I expected. What is point? Yeah. Can can you can you pinpoint the moment where they conclude the original material from the from the, the original game? I mean the, the 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 you know the old material from the original game, and then diverge and and how much of that is there after that? I would have to talk to you offline to really get into that stuff, okay. Uh, okay. or we'd have to do some kind of spoiler thing. I, I don't want to go into it. I don't, this is not the place because I would have too many questions, and we'd have to describe too many okay. things. Okay, well, let me, let me rephrase the, this and just reframe it slightly. Maybe you can give us this: Did where it diverges and where things end on in the game make you want to see more of this? That's a better question. Man, that was quite a pause. Uh, he's actually huh. thinking about it i can see the wheels turning i it left me curious for where they go okay 40 more hours curious seems to be pretty common sentiment um yes okay. if i if so it's not the 40 hours a 40 hour game on the rpg scale is not super that's not great like kind of like what i was saying it's i think it's that i think that game could be done in 20 Right. I think they could have yeah. accomplished what they did in in 20 hours and I would not have missed too much. And it really does feel like genre expectation more than anything else is why it is like that. Yeah, or price point or like um I don't know. Maybe that was supposed to be two games split and I don't know. Like having that all packed into one it, it just is like oh man. There are there are that game needs an editor in like a bad bad way. Uh and when I look at it I think boy Everything in here also seems extremely expensive. Like <laughs> you maybe you could have saved some money on some of this stuff. Um, but it, it also just retreads so much ground at the end there where you're just um yeah. everything takes so long. Uh it needs uh, some some um quality of life stuff, like being able to skip some of those cutscenes. Cause I had thought going up to that point, you know, they've been pretty they've been pretty good with letting me skip certain parts of the battle if I've done it before, or restarting a battle right before this, you know, and it'd been pretty good. But then near the end there, it was like, it was one of those things where, you you know, in games when you die and you're like, where are they going to put me? Where are they going to put me? You're like, and you put the controller down and you're like, God, damn, yeah. you have to be kidding me. Am I just going to stop here? That was like a 20 minute thing I just did. Uh, so it was definitely some of that. I, w- um, I will say hearing your descriptions of this stuff and also with my own experiences with it, I think this is a game I can finish, but I think the only way I'm actually going to do that is if I stick to the, I'm playing a few hours of this a week at maximum mm. kind of thing. Because every time I've tried to play for more than like 90 minutes at a time, I start, like my eyes start rolling back in my head a little bit. Like it's, and there, again, I, I'm really back and forth on it. There are parts of this game I think are really great, and there are parts of this game I think are deeply tedious. And if I can balance those a little bit more throughout the week, I think I can finish it. But if I tried to sit down and mainline this thing, I would burn out fast. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna say that as well. Like the way I was playing it is not the way I personally think I should have gone at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, I was trying to get it done. 
I don't. I mean, think you were much would... closer to being done than either Brad and I were. So I was further we away we were. than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but that all being said, I I actually do think it is so drawn out at the end there. You know, curious what people other people think. I have I've tried to stay away from a lot of Final Fantasy remake discussion because I kind of wanted to come to it fresh, but. <sighs> Yeah, it's been it. it's been it's been an active topic of conversation on our discord since we've been talking about it on here a lot and hmm. a lot of people are speculating about like how many more installments is it going to take them to do it you know like the common yeah. opinion seems to be like bare minimum two more if not more than that how long I, is it going to be until the next one like there's a lot yeah. to think about there yeah yeah I, I think that again that just goes back to what i said before i think just kind of curious to see how they how they execute on this stuff uh, Brad, I'll be curious as, as someone who has played more, or remembers more Final Fantasy VII than I do for sure. Curious to talk to you at some point about like what what is what is going on here? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I I don't I don't remember enough to I mean I remember enough to know something something is off uh, about some of this stuff. Sure. Uh, uh, not not a yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that uh, um, I want to know about though uh, in terms of remakes. Mm-hmm. Skyward Sword. Oh, Skyward Sword HD. Speaking of padded out and uh, and <laughs> slightly tedious. Oh no! <laughs> you want to talk about it? I mean, it's just a remaster. It is a Switch remaster of Skyward Sword. Yeah. What is your uh, relative experience with Skyward Sword, the both of you? Uh, I played a bunch of it. I don't remember where I stopped, but it was not super far in. I want to say I probably put like a dozen to fifteen hours into that game, maybe. Okay. Uh, finished it near release, maybe ranks as one of my least favorite Zeldas. That seems um, to be the pretty common. Yeah, I bounced um, hard when I bounced. Standout thing was, and this will be curious to know if they've changed this, the tutorializing in the beginning needed an option to say, have you ever played a video game before? Yeah. Good, let's well, just skip all of this. So I can't speak to that because this is my first time playing Skyward Sword. Did but- you have to follow a cat? My gut intuition tells me they didn't touch any of that stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because it took me two hours just to get out of the starting town before okay. you actually that like, about right. get the real sword and a real shield and go play real Zelda is still like a good two hours of you do chase that cat and grab it and bring it back to its owner. Yeah. You do a lot of man. Holy oh, boy. Um, it was, it the, is a, it, go ahead. Well, it was, it was the game that made me think. And if you're a developer, I would love to see an implementation of this of start off, put something in your way as a player, put the sword and the shield on the ground and put a thing. And if you beat it, you just go right to, you, you skip some of that stuff totally. and you go right on. I mean, that's kind of, that, that, I mean, playing this game for the first time has recontextualized the beginning of Breath of the Wild for me because like Breath of the Wild kind of is that in the extreme, right? Like mm-hmm. they, it's not even, it's not even five minutes from pressing start in that game before you are just in the open world doing whatever the fuck you want. It's true. Yeah, and that game, and, and, and again, that game's on the extreme end of the spectrum where if you're good enough and you know what you're doing, you can go straight to the end and beat it right there. Yeah. But when I played that game for the first time, I was like, oh, this is refreshing. Like Nintendo's known for pretty long protracted tutorials and like kind of holding your hand a little too much and a lot of setup. And it's like, wow, Zelda feels modern. You just, they just throw you right in here. You can just play the game. Going back and playing Skyward Sword now as the last mainline Zelda game to come out before Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. makes the beginning of Breath of the Wild hilarious to me. Yeah, it's such <laughs> like, an overcorrection. Viewing, well, no, I, I love it. I think no, it's, I love it's it too. Like, I'm just I, saying it's like, like they they went so far in the other direction. Like I don't know if this speaks to where I am in my life right now, but like fucking 
outlaw video game intros. Like, just <laughs> mm-hmm. let me hit start and immediately play every video game from now on. I would I would probably play more of them. I will give you five to ten minutes of preamble, and that is it. Right. Like, I mean, I I thought I thought the beginning of Breath of the Wild was sublime, but again now in retrospect viewing it as a response to what they did at the beginning of Skyward Sword yeah. and what I seem to remember was the backlash to that makes the situation very funny to me <laughs> um, it's a good point yeah like I, I I hadn't really put it in that context before of like these two things put right next to each other but right. uh, or as a reaction piece yes but yeah that is it's, I, oh. it, it, it was so much Has, like, but I enjoyed the story of Skyward Sword yeah, in, it's kind of interesting I like Groose Groose is a, is a, is a fun character that Groose is yeah he's a real meathead unfortunately real... trapped in a game that does not utilize him to his fullest extent does, does he come back around I mean he's there in the intro I mean I, I don't know I, and I've, I never finished Skyward Sword so I don't know like the full breadth of his okay. usage but I will say Definitely, uh... he was a character that eventually played very heavily into a thing I really liked called uh, video game championship wrestling he was ah. one of the better clowns in that machinima okay. based thing and I yes. just I, that is the only like predominant memory I have okay. of Skyward Sword that is ex- Groose that explains yeah quite a bit there he's good Groose has a real Biff Tannen quality definitely too. yes um but um it's a port it is, it is a remaster. You know, they call it HD for a reason. It's just that game. Like, I will say that art holds up shockingly well for being okay. a It's not a bad looking game. Wii. It wasn't then. It's, it's, it's a 10 year old Wii game and the Wii was old hardware when it came out. You yeah. know, like it's fucking like everybody knows the two GameCubes taped together thing. Like, this was not a, a technically ambitious game, but like, especially the characters look like they could be in a modern game. Like, okay. it's kind of shocking how well that art holds up. It's got that watercolor palette. Yeah, it's yeah. got the yeah, yeah, and the characters look very sharp, upresed, running at like 1080p or whatever. It's 60 frames a second. It's very smooth and nice. Um, I mean, the big addition is they don't mandate the the motion controls for the sword anymore. But remember, you can use like, them, right? You you still can. I I did with the Joy-Con a little bit. It works fine. Um, but like you remember, this was like the Wii Motion Plus like showpiece when it came out, right? Yeah. Or one of or no, I guess Wii Sports Resort was kind of that, but. This was one of them of the like, hey, we made this way higher fidelity, joy, or, uh, not Joy-Con, but, you know, Wiimote. God, remember the word Wiimote? I do. Yes. Man, I've not said that word in a very long it's time. It's not a bad thing. Um, You know, that was a divisive choice back yeah. in the day, right? The motion Plus. I don't, think everybody, I don't think everybody enjoyed being forced to use motion controls to play the new Zelda necessarily. So anyway, they've taken that out. You can. They've mapped it to the right stick. It works fine. It's a little laggy like there's just oh. a, just a hint of a delay between flicking the swick the swick <laughs> stick and swinging the sword okay huh. like in a way that actually i almost felt like the motion controls are a little more responsive than the stick just by a hair i feel like it's it trying to calculate fine. what you did or something like what Maybe. was your motion i mean it generally works fine it's not a problem but also are all the puzzles and enemies in that game just excuses to make you like figure out exactly which way you need to line the thing up and do the thing? That's like, my memory of that that's stuff. That, I, that has to be that whole game, right? It's a lot I mean, of it, at least, I think. Okay. Like, you it's just right out of the gate. Bosses and enemies that put their, like, vogue in ways. Totally. That, like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking, like, the piranha plants, like, right in the first area yeah. are totally voguing, <laughs> like, horizontal mouth, vertical mouth, back and forth. Like, yeah. Like, the. The the moblins or bokoblins or whatever they are with their swords, like mm. it's so mechanical. It's like 
vertical, horizontal, yeah. diagonal, yeah. horizontal, vertical, diagonal, like, mm-hmm. like very just like on a timer flipping back and forth. Like it just makes me laugh. There should be a it's dance beat behind them. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not unengaging. It's like something else to do in combat besides just hitting a button and killing a thing, right? Like it's not terrible. But no, it's not, but it's a little, it's, it's just, it's a little rote. Yes. It's, it's rote. In this day and age. And I remember, I, 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 I might be misremembering, but I feel like even in the pantheon of Nintendo Wii developed games, the motion and stuff on that game was not always the best. Like, it did not always feel good to do the motion stuff in that game, which you wouldn't necessarily expect from Nintendo. But, like, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't broken, but it just wasn't mm. really interesting or fun. That said, I did see huh. a video going around, uh, I think of the current remake, someone using the motion controls, and there's that bit where you pull the Master Sword out and you're supposed to put it in the beam of light. Uh, they could not get it into the, like, it, it's like almost a full minute of them trying to get the sword wow. into the right position. And I don't know if they were fucking with, the, fucking around, mm. or if, like, they just couldn't get it to work. Maybe their Joy-Con was busted, hard to say. But I, I feel like I have some memories of the motion stuff in that game just not being 100% great. I, I didn't spend a lot of time with the motion controls here just because I, you know, the stick is the new thing. But yeah. I found them pretty pretty accurate and responsive, okay. to be honest. Um, I might be misremembering. The, the other thing about the new controls is that since Sword is now on right stick, you no longer have default camera control on right stick. So in, in essence, when you're running around, there is no easy uh, manual camera control. Oh, no. You, it, is, it is a shoulder button hold. Yeah. So, so if, you hold, if you hold left shoulder button while running around, then you can move the camera around. But it's not a toggle. It's not a... It's not a tap the button and it becomes camera control. It is literally like hold down left shoulder. Now you can move the camera, let go. Now you can't. And is there a tap to recenter or like tap? Uh, to... Yes. Yes. You hit, hit ZL, the targeting. Trigger. Okay. It'll spin it that will, you. that will recenter your view. But okay. if you're not manually turning on that camera control, when you're running yeah. around and you like 180 and come toward the camera, like you just continue running toward the camera. That's if great. You don't, if you don't, finesse the camera with with uh, those extra controls like it's just there is no camera control it's a little a little wonky mm. it's not it's not something you can't get used to but it's a bit of a pain yeah oh, the thing the other thing i remember about skyward sword and you might not be there yet is there's a there's a i remember a pretty good reusing of stuff like a re uh hey we're gonna go back to this place again um of the land masses and stuff that I didn't enjoy as much. Mm. I mean, I, I could be misremembering on the dungeon part, but at least in the exploration parts of like, Hey, we're going to, you're going to go back to this landmass and it's going to be just a different gated off part of this area. Okay. Cause that made me wonder when you, when you finally get out of the town and the race at the beginning of the ceremony and all that stuff. And like, you're just in a woods that you can explore and it's mm-hmm. Zelda. When they show you the world map, there are only like three distinct zones. It's like the forest and two others. And that made me wonder, I was like, is this the first of two maps? Like, where's the rest of the game? But like, maybe that's that, it. That might be it. I, I'm sorry huh. if I'm misremembering. But that might, it's just what, what it sticks in my brain with that game. Um, and, you know, obviously the flying around stuff. Uh, yes. You know. eh, yeah, that stuff. I mean, it's not amazing, but it's, <laughs> it's over fast enough, at least from what I've seen so far. But I um, like that where they went in terms of not even the, the, the scope of the narrative beats in it, but what they tried to do in the grand milieu of Zelda this, narrative. Yeah. Is this is this the one where they declared this the first Zelda ever? Mm-hmm. I believe uh, so. Okay. Yeah. So in the in the timeline, it is the must play. It is the mm-hmm. you know from where all things spawn. It's the so. original novel of the Zelda franchise. You just have to go back and make sure you. That's right. 
And now mm-hmm. we have a remake of it. And now, now there are now oh, just, finally just a, re- just just a, a remaster. remaster. Sorry, remasters. But even still, now there is a thing for people who are trying to pirate uh, uh, games and get them to run on a PC. Let's say pirates, maybe a strong word. No, it's the right like word. Get, get, get them running on a PC where they can now get Skyward Sword going because that game opened with a put your Wii mote down and let it calibrate mm. uh, if you tried to launch that game. And if you did not have a Wii mote hooked up to your PC, you could not get past that screen or if you could not fake your way past that. So finally, finally, we can get our, <laughs> for the masses, our 4K Skyward Sword. So what you're saying is this is great for preservation. That's right. It's great for preservation for this uh, for the for this era of it. Um, no. My I told my kid that um, told my son that there, this was out there, and he was like, "Wait, really?" And I was like, "Wait, you Zelda? played this? You played this on the Wii U, man?" And I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Well, I only played a little bit of it there. Are you gonna get it?" And I was like, oh, "No, do go play Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's a, it's a better That's Zelda an old game. game. Has, has, wait, has he played Breath of the Wild? Yeah. Oh, play it again." Well, his, I don't think he's finished it. Like, go play that. Don't. And he just likes the new thing. I don't. I don't blame him. Just like, tell him it's actually an old thing. You can't just. Well, he, we it. have it up. We have it. it Important life lesson: you can't just put a new coat of paint on it. <laughs> was we the Wii U version? Was this the one where the Wii and the Wii U had the the re- mirrored thing? No, that was that was Twilight Princess on the Twilight GameCube Princess. and Wii. Okay, there was no Wii U version of this. This was just you know, Wii U ran Wii games, so you could put it in there. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, also, but the, I mean that does bring up the point. Why the fuck have they not put the Wind Waker HD on the Switch, dude? Well, they can't put two, two Zelda games in the same year on there. What so. is going on? Like they they did that nice port on the Wii U, and nobody bought a Wii U. Yeah, put the Wind Waker on the Switch. I Nintendo bet they jam it in there bad. next year, early next year, sometime in the lead up to Breath in the Wild Two, just to be like, hey, Maybe. remember that Zelda thing? Here you go. That's, that's possible. We didn't Maybe. actually do anything to this one because that remake was already good. So have I could, fun. I could, I could just as easily see it never happening. I don't know. There's probably like you got pretty close on the Wii U to basically being able to have every. I think it's Wii U or Wii. I tried to get them all on one system, and, uh-huh. you, and I think you got pretty damn close. Um. Uh, it must be on the Wii U to just have them all between the um, uh, virtual console. Yeah. Virtual console stuff for all the portable ones. They brought a lot of them over there. Uh, and you know, some of the updated, if you wanted to play the updated um, uh, uh, Majora's mask and Ocarina, you, you know, you had to play those on your DS or three DS, but you got pretty dang close. And I was, wondering if they would at some point just put a collection out but that is like the least nintendo thing they will do they will charge 50 dollars. this is 60 yes i believe that's the case um they will charge 50 or 60 bucks on each iteration of these even if it's the legend of zelda one maybe they would pack in Link's awakening with one and they would charge 20 bucks for it been a long time since that Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask combo disc on the game oh, that they gave away for free, which I have. Lost levels or lost? There was something else on it, right? It was uh, uh, it was I think like it was just master, the master. They they had, maybe didn't have see. Zelda One, oh, Ocarina. Maybe, maybe it did. Where did I get that? Was it like a GameStop thing? Yeah, here it is on GameStop. <laughs> Promotional disc includes four classic games. Let's see. Zelda, Zelda 2, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask. I don't yeah. know hmm. how this came about, but I have a copy. I think you, I want to say you got it 
with the Wind Waker or something like that? As a pre-order, maybe? I don't remember. Uh, I bought I bought it. I think that was the... It might have been the thing I signed up for eBay for. I bought it after because I missed out on it because I came to the GameCube late and I missed out on it. Um, and I went to eBay to go get it. And I think that was the thing I made an eBay account for uh, and got it there. Let's see. Could get it with a subscription of Nintendo Power. Could get it by registering a GameCube and two or more of a selection of four games. Okay. Was it uh, nothing GameStop at all? I don't know. I'm not clear on this. That, 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 okay. was a, that might as well have been a different Nintendo at that point. I did get some kind of poster or roll down poster thing for Wind Waker that I think just went in the trash. But. Um, Skyward Sword. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is what it is. Like, it's honestly, for me... It's an interesting historical curiosity. It's nice to see they did this control work to it. Also pretty hard to go back to after Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff is... Uh, I There are people who love Skyward Sword. I am not one of them. But I, I do enjoy the Zelda franchise. The thing, the thing everyone <laughs> told me was that the, if you get to the dungeons, the dungeons in Skyward Sword are some of the best. And I did get a little bit into the dungeons in my playthrough. And I... They seem fine, but it, I just kind of fell off before I really I got was, into dude, the of it. Oh, I was almost yelling at the screen a couple times where like every single area you're in, you're like, you walk through the exit and it seizes control. Mm. So like that little blue fairy that lives in your sword can pop out and tell you more tutorial text <laughs> or like some other person stops you and it's like, hey, by the way, and then another three minutes of dialogue. Like, Wait, Skyward Sword is not the one where every time you get a gem, it's like, 100 rupees, this will be great. No, 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 no. This, okay. it, it does the standard thing of the first time you get the item, it does that, and then after that, nothing. Okay. But it's just people just interrupting you constantly when you're just trying to get somewhere and do your thing. Um. All right. Freedom. I like games <laughs> that are open and free. You know, I'm not going to say there's no place for some some uh structure and narrative and and but they don't they went too far they went too little, far they dug too deep they know what they little, did a little bit goes a long way mm-hmm. it turns mm-hmm. out well especially these days where it's like hey, we know how to jump or like we we know maybe in a zelda game you don't know how to jump so well, on top of it it's just fair. everything about the storytelling is just so fucking languid in that game it's just uh-huh. like so many so many long camera shots of a character just sort of staring off into space and then emoting on a delay after a sound effect or whatever. I mean, like it's just moves so slowly. Mm. Needs a fast forward button. Yes, very much. Uh, the, uh, last thing I'll mention here that I just jumped very briefly into is uh, samurai gun two, which, uh, is, uh, it's early access, much, right? Yeah. Uh, is very much, uh, similar to samurai gun, uh, one in terms of speed, and and uh, franticness within the battles. There is a single player mode that I'm kind of making my way through, enjoying that. And also, the characters have like different powers. So uh, that was uh, the that, one that really that got me different. when I was yeah. reading about this game. I was like, ooh, because you know the first game was just cosmetic; it was just colors. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm the blue samurai, I'm the red samurai. But yeah, hearing hearing their character specific abilities really makes me want to check this out. Yeah, and so like um, online multiplayer as well. I think the first one was just local, right? Mm, I think that is right. Yeah. right. yeah. Yes, that is right. So yeah, that, that stuff. Uh, I, I haven't played enough of it to kind of render a full opinion. It did remind me that uh, I enjoy the fast-paced nature of it, and uh, maybe I'm just not that good at it. <laughs> but uh, I, I do enjoy what it is trying to do. Uh, you know, you got your gun and your, your sword, and you got to make the most use of them. Kill all the enemies in the arena. All right. 
think that's going to do it for the game chats. Yeah. Game chats. Mm-hmm. The game barking. Uh, and that's going to kind of do it for the podcast here. Though, we are going to jump in here and thank some Patreons. Patrons? Thank all of our patrons mm-hmm. yeah, for their generous right. support that keeps us going on this entirely audience-supported venture. 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 Adventure. Uh, if you want to help support us, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to help support us, you can go to patreon.com slash nextlander. Go choose your tiers there. Uh, any tier is great. Or just listening and supporting us also is awesome. Yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your not friends. Punish them by giving them this amazing podcast. And then they'll be like, wow, didn't realize they were so cool listening to this. Maybe, I might have to rethink. Maybe we should be friends. You have such excellent taste in podcasts. <laughs> My worldview has changed so much. Um, but again, thanks to all of our, our patrons out there. If you sign up, at the Mysterious Benefactor tier, you do get a shout-out uh, during this here podcast. So we are going to do those right now, beginning with... Caravelle is going to take it this time. Oh boy. It's you your week. Ready? It's my week. Here we go. Mark Sidebotham, Rob M., Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, G-Chap, Ray Liner, Brian D., John Hubbard, Corey James Thompson, CJ Ewing, Sean Miller, Stimpak, Jack Eineker, Sean Phillips, Mark Dell, Nicholas Horn Jorgensen, Malone Hart, Angie Valadares, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Yakto Yata, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Ben Murden, Jerry Lee, Brian Stanton, Gary Pejki, Matt, Conrad Kuzmin, Robert Fisher, Joseph Reagan, Kinto, John McGinnis, The Bunny Fiend, Casey Shaughnessy, John B., Nick, Sarah, and Katie Darty, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Stephen Olkovich, Jad Rita, Andrew Thornburg, Statics, Robo Jebus, Mike Merritt, Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Chris Barkhurst, <laughs> Uh, Pixels and Polygons, Marcus G, Morgan Piper, Ninja Ducky, Andrew Cotton, G Cruz, Lucas Fellers, Anders Bouget, Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R, Blood Emblem, Kevin Avalado, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Tiebken, It Me JP, Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Matthew King, Steve Lynn, Willem Loomis, Richard Welsh, aka Hired Noobs, Matthew Herrig, Adam Bilo, Rick Button, Anthony King, Tyler Treese, Jean Francois Murray. And those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. We have one correction for you. You, you said Rayliner, yes. it is J Liner. J Liner. J Liner? J Liner. J Liner. J Liner. Well, there you go. Thanks everybody said, again. If you want to said his name like six times. That's no, that's value for the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone and anyone listening. And if you can support that's great. Again, you go to patreon.com slash nextlander. Or you can go to or you can go to nextlander.com as of the time of this recording. Redirects over there to the Patreon. 
Uh, got a bunch of stuff up. And as Brad said before, we are fully supported through the generosity of the people listening to this show, trying to keep as much free as possible with some fun rewards for getting in there and joining the Patreon. Uh, but you can go check out stuff like uh, our State of Decay. We are playing State of Decay 2, Here Decay Gone Tomorrow. It's up on uh, our archives are on youtube.com slash nextlander. You can go check out an amazing full playthrough of Daedalus Encounter, an our, FMV our, game. Our first full playthrough of a video game. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nowhere uh, to go but is. down from there. <laughs> and in the FMV territory, it's a Boy. bottomless pit. Boy. Uh, so if you are interested in watching some uh, full motion video with some pretty good scenes in it, some pretty good full motion video in it, go check that out. That's the Daedalus Encounter. I didn't think we were going to finish it. I didn't think we were going to make it last week, but somehow we did. We even got the ending. It was touch and go for a bit there. Yeah. Um, we're going to have, uh, I believe, at the time of this posting on Thursday, Alex, you and I are going to try some multiplayer trucking. We sure are. Uh, and uh, we tested some of that out. It seemed to work. If you want to watch our stuff live, you can go to twitch.tv slash nextlander, and usually the videos go up at youtube.com slash nextlander within 24 hours. Again, you can find this podcast uh, where you find all the greatest podcasts, but only the greatest podcasts in the world. Uh, and if you're listening to this, you probably found it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, any other business we have going on? Oh, if you're listening to this and, and you're a patron at any tier, we're going to be doing a live Q&A on Friday. Yes. Um, Good call. Uh, 5, 5 p.m. Eastern time. You should go check out. If you're not a part of the Discord, it will be done in a Discord stage, but the archive will be posted on Patreon. So um, we, we will podcast. post... Yeah, we'll post the, the audio archives on Patreon, um, and it'll be a, a, a Discord stage, which sounds like it is kind of an audio platform, not too dissimilar when everybody tried to do their it's, Clubhouse stuff. It's Clubhouse. Yeah. 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 So we're going we're gonna to take some questions. If you have questions, there is a Q&A channel on the Discord right now in which um, you can kind of submit there, but we're also going to try and take some live questions if the technology permits during it. Um, so you can check that out again. The archival of that will go up uh, after that's done for all patrons uh, on the Patreon in that RSS feed. All right. Is that, uh, I think that. That about does it. it. All right. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. And again, thanks everybody for listening to this year, the next lander podcast. If you're curious about the games we talked about, uh, it was death's door. It was a Skyward Sword. Are they just saying HD remake? Or Skyward Sword HD. And Skyward Sword HD, uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, and a little of Samurai Gun 2. All right, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the stuff that is going up. And we will see you next week. <laughs>